and welcome to the final installment of the class trial. Episode 53. Yeah, this is it. This is the last entry in the series. Um, at least for now, technically. Um, Hopefully for good. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> but yeah, this is it. Uh, we're we're back at it. Uh, I am Ty, and and Kenjamin is also here. And, yo yo. And it's it's time to to end this killing game by playing <laughs> another one. Yeah, I feel like this is the one we've been leading up to, basically. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. The one that might get the most uh violent and heated. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um, so I guess let's just. Let's just get into it. Uh, mm. Do we want to talk about the context of the like yeah. release of the game, Ben? Yeah, cause I, th- I think with Danganronpa V3, it is a game that, like, I feel like there's a lot of readings of this game that do come from like a lack of context of the series at large, because I think when you are getting into the stuff this game gets into, I think the, like, sort of like watching the way that the series kind of went, I think it's important because it is getting into, like, very not-subtle discussions about capitalism and consumerism and how we, how something can live and die on its own terms. And um, the interesting thing about it was it was revealed early on as, like, like, it was called Danganronpa V3 at the time, but it wasn't uh, revealed alongside what actually ended up becoming Danganronpa 3, the the anime that we know. Um, And what was interesting... Well, I, like, I remember back as these were, neither of those things were out, I remember that the news that V3 was going to be in some other setting slash timeline, whatever, whatever you want to call it, than the Host Peak story, that came out before Danganronpa 3, the anime, was even announced. So I was already, like, very hesitant about this game to begin with, because, like, I had that attachment to that storyline and those characters and wanting, like, some level of closure there. So that... When it did end up com- when it did end up coming out, the Danganronpa three was gonna be this anime. I did suddenly like I, f- I felt like a sense of relief, but I also like was able to detach myself from whatever V three was going to be because I knew it wasn't the story that I cared about. It wasn't going to be like it, it, like it didn't have any bearing on the story that I that I cared about, and that was that's like an important context that I don't think a lot of people have just because like because like Funimation sucks and like Spike Jones often and I a didn't do like a great job of explaining it and making it clear to a lot of the general public, a lot of people go into this game thinking that Danganronpa V3 is Danganronpa 3, and I think that is, like, part of the reason that this game lands the way it does for some people. It's like, there's, like, that important context missing that I think is just a fault of marketing and just, like, communicating shit to people. And also, like, some people kind of, like, I, I, the best way to know to explain it is, like, downplaying the importance of what Danganronpa 3 was, and that, like, being like, oh, I don't want to really want to watch an anime. I want to play a game. Like, not really understand that. Like, this, there's like a hard divide being made, mm-hmm. and um, but like even like even so, like we're talking about something that is presented as a new beginning, completely separate from everything that came before, and you know that just, that wasn't really apparent to a lot of people. But I think, I, I think it's good that for the show that we end up we ended up doing Ultra Spirit Girls and three as like their own separate episodes as well, because like I think really, like, sitting through the entirety of the series kind of just illustrates why the game ends the way it does to me, and, um, 
I don't know, like, what was your, like, when you were coming to V3, what was your, your context for what this was and, like, how it fit into the larger series the first time you played it? I had already, I'm pretty sure, consumed all of the other Danganronpa content with the exception of, like, uh, Ultra Despair Girls. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure I'd already watched the anime at this point. So, like, I knew that it was going to be separate, and I think, like, I was into that, and then I think the way that some of the stuff ties in at the end I didn't I really did not like at the time and I still don't love but like I'm less pissed off about now mm. um but yeah I I was just excited for more dang and rampa but I'm pretty sure I I was already aware that it was like not a direct mm. continuation of the Hope's Peak right. line. Yeah, and, and it, it even gets into like more, <clears throat> more complicated stuff. Cause like the, the the game is ostensibly like its pillars of its themes are supposed to be like truth and lies, and you know, in a more broader sense, fact and fiction, versus like the the you know, hope and despair that was Hope's Peak story. And I think like that sort of way that is intentionally presenting itself at the outset and like when i when i say at the outset i mean like even even within marketing and like the way that it's talked about before it actually gets to the root of what it is i think that just there's a lot that i think the player has to contend with in terms of like what they think they're getting into when they get in there and also like what the truth ends up being and how what what it says about them specifically that they were invested in this in any way and i think I think a lot of what will ultimately like determines how somebody feels about V3 by the time it's over is like where they position themselves on the like in the meta textual thing that it gets into mm-hmm. because like I was a person that like came in like I I like I said I was completely detached from whatever V3 was going to be presenting to me because 1 through 3 that was the story I cared about V3 is now this new thing that I am basically approaching with completely fresh eyes and that was why I maybe didn't take like the metatextual narrative at all personally because i was like on it i I guess for like a better a lack of a better way of explaining it like i was on the game side like i like i appreciated what it was saying and i i think when you have you know this metatextual story that is as player facing as this can seem to people i think you like you are just by nature like i think you know what you're getting into and that you're going to have a very divisive reaction and i think the game just kind of boldly walks into that and is like willing to deal with the fallout i think and i think it's also important to note when we get like and we will more so when we actually get to the end of this like this was the last game that kadaka made before he left like Sunsoft for the danganronpa series like this was at least at the time like you know years have passed since and feelings might have changed or anything and like you know there's, there's a whole lot to talk about like a possible future for the series but like at the time that was him make basically like this is my final word on this and I'm going off to do something else. And Which I know. will say, because this does tie into my like feeling on it, like on the meta stuff later, is like he left and then didn't he leave to go make another kind of killing game just with different people and with elementary school children? Yeah, I mean, like, there. I actually haven't played Worlds, Worlds and Club yet, but I do own it and like, I want to get around to it, just, even though I've heard the game's not great. And I think based on my understanding of what I know about that game, that was more to be a... Like a like a one off sort of like collaboration between him and oh I'm, I'm forgive me for getting the name of the director behind the Zero Escape series but it was like meant to be the two like killing game death game 
you know, aficionados mm-hmm. that we all know of, like, coming together for, like, one collaboration. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, that is interesting to see, like, that he did that, but I also, based on what I understand, like, I don't, that does not sound like it was something that was uh, franchise-worthy or making those aspirations, so I think that might have been just, you know, the nature of that game, and it, it, like, I do think some of, like, especially when you bring up bring that up, I think some of the direct meta allegories and, like, stuff that it's talking about get muddy in ways, and, like, sort of, like, it does make me, like, I mean, it is a game, or, like, a, it, is a, it is a metatextual thing that is being written by somebody who clearly has complicated feelings on what he has made and the way that people engage with it, and I think, like, that is probably why it is antagonistic in the way it is, because I think there is a sense that, like, which, again, which I think we'll be able to talk more holistically about later, like, looking at the arc of the Danganronpa series and, like, the things that it did instead of a killing game and, like, instead of, like, doing this exact same scenario again kind of speaks to, like, there is maybe a part of this fandom that he might have found frustration with that only cared about the killing game, that only cared about that, did not care about the characters and the themes that they were, like, trying to express in that way, which... Is I, th- I think manifests in the way that V3 even starts. Like, mm-hmm. it is so disinterested in world building and, like, theme building, and, like, it gets so quickly into the heart of the killing game. And I th- it's interesting, because, like, there's a lot of things about V3 that I think are objectively bad. Like, objectively bad storytelling and, like, character introductions and, like, uses. But when you see the game as a whole, I realize that a lot of that feels very intentional and feels, again, like, pushing against what the series used to be to get at the heart of what maybe his perception might have been of what people cared about and to be able to tackle that. And because I, I think it's important to like re or like approach V3 on its own terms, because it is a satire. That is what Danganronpa V3 is more so yeah. than it is a story. And again, like I, I, it's a lot of things like it's, it's a very complicated game. And I think that's what makes it interesting to me. And even in the places where I think there's, like, objective faults, just to, like, see it, how it is using, I guess, our expectations of what Danganronpa is to make statements about what its fandom is and what, I guess, like, what he felt about it by the time it was he was done. Yeah, I think this is something, too, where I was just talking with some people in the Uppercut Discord about this, where, like, I think, like, I understand why people do like metatextual analysis or like do metatextual work or whatever within their work but usually the thing that they're like you know wrangling with and like trying to talk about in that is like never the part of the work that is interesting to me or the part of the Mm. work that like works for me um and that is pretty much the case again here i have more positive feelings towards it this time than I did the first time. Mm-hmm. But uh this game is still bad in a lot of ways. <laughs> well let's get into it because like we're we're talking like broadly about something that like I think there's a lot of minutia to. But um yeah let's start like let's let's start with how the game starts, which is again like objectively bad storytelling in a way that it's and just, like, a lot of this game is very interesting to me in hindsight because, like, there are things that, like, might come off, you know, like, again, like, just, just straight up bad, but then when you realize the place mm-hmm. they hold in the broader metatextual story, it just, they, they come off more interesting to me. Yeah, um, I definitely think that this game is a lot more interesting to play after you know 
what the deal is. Right. Um, I think finding out, like, obviously you have to find out what the deal is for it to, like, matter. But, like, the process of doing that sucks a lot more than, like, going back and being like, ah, I see what they mm-hmm. were doing. Right. Um, but yeah, so we start our, our, our video game in the style of a Danganronpa with a prologue. Um, and we've got our cast of 16 children again. Um, and they are just normal. They have normal looking school uniforms. There are multiple mentions of them just being regular and not having any Mm -hmm. super talents or whatever um and so the two kids that we see end up going to a uh they they fall out of lockers in a classroom and then end up going to the gym where they find like other kids like that and they meet uh little monokumas that are called monocubs and they're each like a different color Mm -hmm. um and they just like say a bunch of very strange things about like memories and stuff right and then they pull out a funky flashlight and they hit the kids with it um and so then we get a repeat of the scene of these two falling out of the lockers uh but this time they have uh they've gone through magical girl transformations Mm -hmm. to have uh cooler uniforms Mm -hmm. and now they know that they have ultimate talents and all of their personalities kind of seem like pretty different yeah like there's like the one that was the protagonist that we're we're talking about now right now uh kaede she like in the first scene she like talks about how like rotten the world is and like she got kidnapped and like she nobody did anything about it and like we're here like after that after all that business she gets here and she seems like very optimistic and like sunny and like happy to be there and like happy to meet people and make friends with everybody so it's just like interesting very like very clearly, something is amiss here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, the Monocubs, uh, go ahead and introduce both the Killing Game and Monokuma. Um, and yeah. it's the same deal as always: the Blackened versus the Spotless. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know the drill. Um, but they do know specifically that the game will end when. Either a blackened wins or two people are left surviving. Um, and it's weird. And then yeah, well, before we like get into like the actual nuts and bolts of, the, of like the killing game that goes on, uh, how do you feel with the monocubs? I hate them. I hate them too. But again, it's one of those things where like, oh, they like. Because, like, the game makes multiple mentions of the fact that, like, why are they even here? Like, what what is their purpose in all of this? And I think, like, it even really occurred to me this time, like, how much Monokuma's role in this game is, like, very much lessened until, mm-hmm. like, Chapter 5, when there are none of the, mon- the Monokubs left. And um, it is one of those things where, like, I-, I know a lot of people that, like, the Monokubs were, like, such a sticking point for in the very beginning where, like, they took a long time to actually, like, get back into the game and, like, finish it. And um, I think it's valid because they're annoying. They, like... They, like, they they have like the energy of something like Scrappy Doo, like th- this like but, cute like, gross other and thing. Shitty. Yeah, but like, it, it's one of those things where like they they feel like adding more mascots to something like something that is marketable and cute and it could have merchandise and it's just like 
intentionally bad things like watching like you're watching something basically like be past its prime like having well and like well and long ago jumped the shark like looking for shit to like keep people interested and like keep like i know i'm skipping ahead like in terms of like the larger scope of what this game is but like it's one of those things where like the fact that like they don't they don't talk about what ultimates mean in this game they don't talk about like we are in the ultimate academy of, of gifted juveniles like what is this place? Why are we here? Like, all of these things that are, like, that were paramount to, like, the Hope's Peak story, where they are just boiling Danganronpa down to, like, its, like, very core in this game in a way that's just interesting to me. And I think that's what something that's interesting about the Monocubs is, like, they are so far away from, like, you know, like they detract from it, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. They, because, like, Monokuma is, like, in the background for a majority of this game, which is not like you know monokuma is a, is a draw for a lot of these games and a lot of these uh, like the anime as well and it's just like yeah it's like a, a misreading of something but it also is something that can be used to create merchandise like you got five plushies somebody could buy like it's just like things like that stick out to me when you play through it the second time yeah and they talk about it a lot too like in the text the monokubs like will repeatedly be like we're mascots like yeah monotaro is the red one and he has like memory issues and they're always like yelling at him about that because they're like oh like mascots can't forget their catchphrase right um yeah i fucking hate them um Mm -hmm. they suck i i completely agree with everything you just said it also just drives me absolutely fucking nuts that they, like, have these dedicated plots that don't go anywhere, like, yeah. that you just have to sit through, or, like, you know, like, I fast-forwarded through all of them, mm-hmm. but, like, because they just don't matter at all. Right. And they're just, like, a lot of the time, like, vulgar and shitty, mm-hmm. and, like, just, I'm like, I am not, this does nothing for me. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my Monocubs take, is fuck the Monocubs. I'm glad they all die yeah. repeatedly. Spoilers. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, should we get should we get into the killing game? Yeah, I think we should just get on with it. Get on with what the the audience is here for. Yeah. So oh also important to know, I think this is in the prologue. We're in Taro uh Oh, we should actually we actually should introduce all the characters, which we Oh yes, good call. Do this time. Yeah. Um, alright. So the first two that we meet are Kaede, who is the ultimate pianist, and then Shuichi, who is the ultimate detective. Um, then we have Kaito, who's the ultimate spaceman astronaut. That's <laughs> the word. Um, I was I truly could not remember that word for a second. Uh, we have Maki, who is the uh, ultimate child caregiver with an asterisk on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Mew, who is the ultimate inventor. Ryoma is the ultimate tennis player. Gonta is the ultimate uh, entomologist, whatever bug yeah, scientist entomologist. is. Yeah. Um, Tendo is the ultimate Aikido master. Uh, fucking Himiko. Himiko is the ultimate ma- magician slash, slash mage. Mm. Um, Angie is the ultimate artist. Kokichi is the ultimate supreme leader. Uh, Kirumi is the ultimate maid. Who else? Uh, Smoogie is the ultimate cosplayer. Yes. Um, and then Rentaro, the ultimate the question, mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Oh, and Kyo, the ultimate anthropologist. Yes. I think that's all of them. Bunch of... Honestly, like, I, I will give V3 this. I, fucking first. I think... 
Yeah, I think, th- but I do think the cast dynamic is like largely balanced in a way. Like, I, like I don't think Daniel Rupert Two was, and like that's something I appreciate. Is that like there are a lot of things about V three that are questionable. Like in terms, well, not, I don't think they're questionable per se, but I think like they are bad and they are whatever that means to the story. That is what they are. But I do think like the the cast dynamic is just very strong and like very balanced in a way that like there are the fucking weirdos like or and like the the detractors. But there is, like, enough people who are, like, stable, like, a stabilizing force within them that I feel like I didn't constantly feel like I was being sidetracked by somebody having to say something in the middle of, like, a really tense situation. And um, I think that's just, like, a really, like, in terms of, like, the tone of the game for a lot of the, a lot of the time, I just think it really works in its favor. Yeah, I think... So, I I think that, like the the kind of like the cast in general is i think pretty likable um and i think part of that is kind of what you said before of like this version has been boiled down more mm-hmm. so like you kind of just get the very like dynamic moments of them being who they are in a lot of cases mm-hmm. um but like Shuichi and Kaede are a weird situation as we'll see but they kind of function as a duo for the first chapter. Yeah. Um, and I just think I find them both very likable and mostly because it's not the same repeat thing of like, oh, I'm just some talentless boy. Mm. Um, Cause like even like Shuichi is kind of pathetic, but he does in this situation have a talent. Um, yeah. And so it's more and, about, and like, like a hesitance about his talent as well. Yeah. And it's more about like that. His storyline is less about like learning to, you know, like himself despite being talentless or whatever, and is more just, like, learning to trust himself and, like, what he's doing. Right. Um, and so I do think they're really likable, but I think it's also hard because, like, the pacing is really erratic at the beginning of the game. Like, the mm. first two chapters feel very, like, kind of roller coastery to me before things, like, kind of settle in the third chapter. Which is just really horrendous pacing to me because the third chapter is such immensely bad vibes on purpose. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think just generally, like, this is... There's a there's just, like, a lot that, more that happens per chapter, it feels like, and I think a lot of that comes to... The the setting of this is not as enclosed as, say, like, Hope Peak was in the first... Because, like, by the time that we've begun the first chapter, there's already, like, a whole campus for us to... to travel around and mm-hmm. it feels like, a lot more open and that th- there's a lot more space for, and like actual like lived in space for them to do shit with and plot lines for them to get into whereas it felt like it, especially in that first game that they had to really piecemeal things out and like so things that were i guess like fewer things happen per minute i guess is the way best way to describe it yeah it has the feeling of like it feels very strange because the action in and of itself is very like I feel compact and like pretty snappy, mm. but then it's like got a lot of padding in terms of the free time because I feel like I don't know if this is true, which is I feel kind of silly because like we've just been playing all these games, <laughs> but I feel like there's like double the amount of free time in this one. Oh, uh, maybe didn't it used to only be two? Like two day? per day. I feel like it was, well, I guess it was two of this time, but I feel like there were, I don't know. I feel like we got more free times. 
this time. There might have been like more like just individual days before shit happened, and like the the plot had to progress. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't quote me on that because I could be wrong, but that's how it felt. Maybe. Mm. No, I'm actually now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, which I, like, know, I th- think I think part kind of like contributed to like the weirdness of, I feel like of how the story is delivered. It's just, like, a lot of, like, weird stuff at the front, and then, like, just to get everything kind of established, and then the back end is really where things, like, kind of come together, and you can tell. Yeah. Even, like, even in the first chapter, there's there's a weird, like, new type of mini-game thing, because, like, what's going on is, like, obviously, like, nobody wants to take part in the killing game, and K.A.D.A. is kind of, like, trying to be this, like, person that brings everyone together, like, towards unity instead of, like, distrust, which Monokuma is trying to, like, so well through all of them. And we end up in this thing where, like, we find what is supposed to be an exit, and we have this, like, side-scrolling minigame. So, like, I think, I think it's called the Death Road to Despair or something like that. Like, something along those lines. And it's, so, like, we have this weird, like, side-scrolling thing where, like, it's, like, basically it's almost impossible thing. Like, you know, the obstacles that are, like, are near impossible to get through. And everyone just kind of, like, keeps trying to get through it. And then, like, it becomes so taxing eventually that, like, all of them are tired and they all start to kind of resent Kaede for what her like repeated like her basically her hope of all of this like trying to like push everybody through and like in the midst of all that putting them all through this like dangerous optical course and that is kind of where it starts to the point where like they stop kind of like all believing in each other and they starts to become distrust and that's when but even so like they're not, still not like ready to fucking kill each other about it they're all still trying to find a mastermind behind this and because yeah like they're like, now that you've mentioned, like, there's a lot that happens before the killing game proper even starts, like, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of easy to, like, forget, because there's just, like, so much gets, like, just fucking wham-bam-powed into that first chapter, especially, like, in between. Uh... Like, what am I trying to say? Like, in between that kind of bridge between the prologue and chapter one, I just feel like they're like, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right, now go kill. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, like, I was even thinking about that, like, the, uh, like, when, when they start to, like, lay out the rules and shit to you, like, in the, like, in the, uh, the monopad, like, they just breeze through that shit, but I also think that it's, like, kind of meant to be an understanding, like, you probably know what you're getting into by now if you're playing the third killing game, video game of this, of this series. So it doesn't take a lot of time. Like, it establishes a lot without, like, talking about it, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, again, like, makes sense contextually throughout the whole game. But in the moment, it's just, like, a lot thrown at you at once. Yeah. And it's, like, it, I feel like it's one of those things. It's I feel like it's kind of part of the overall trick of what the game is doing. Um, mm. Of just kind of, like overloading you with stuff at the beginning while simultaneously being like it's the same you know the drill right. you've done like, this you know it's like amazing how much it says while also saying very little about anything like it yeah it's that's interesting honestly looking back on it yeah i think the more i think the the thing that made this more enjoyable for me was definitely that idea of like understanding the trick um mm-hmm. and then seeing the the ways in which that was executed um i think uh made this an easier pill for me to swallow this time yeah and it's also interesting given the context of the second chapter 
Yeah. There's nothing right because so they do the they find the killing, the killing road to despair, whatever the fuck. Um, which apparently you can beat before the game yeah. gives you the tool to actually beat it, but like fuck if I'm gonna do that. Yeah, like I, I if you have the patience to do that, props to you, but that could not be me. No, absolutely and I, not. And I think all it all it ends up doing is like everyone gets to the exit and then like it opens up and then it just flashes to like if you had not finished it. I think it's just like meant to be like a thing like, oh, there's some like deep dark secret about the outside world this time and like never actually gets to like you don't it's not like you can skip to the end or something. Yeah. Um, so once that's done and everybody gives up, the main thing, too, with this section is, like, the peop- the kids are kind of losing trust in Kaede because of Kokichi, because he's, he's gonna just be our, like, Nagito this time. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. very much the trickster character who's, like, fucking shit up, and you don't really right. know why. Um, and that starts with him doing this. He's the one who's, like, being like, fuck you, Kaede. Right. Um, like, sure, like stirring the pot, and but also like finding a way to like twist the knife in a way that like I don't think anybody else in the room is necessarily thinking outright. But then when he says it and like speaks it into the room, like it suddenly like mm-hmm. starts to dawn in everybody's mind. Yeah, which he'll then. This is a pattern, so we're just gonna establish it now. Is he'll do that, and then the next time people talk about it, he'll like flip it and be like that it was like everybody else's idea, right. and that like they were. Or, like, when people call him out on his shit, he's like, oh, you're ganging up on me, you're bullying me. Mm. Um, so just be yeah. prepared. That's that's who this boy is. Yeah. Through and through. Um, but, yeah, so... Our, our kiddos don't want to do the killing game. Um, and everybody is kind of like doing the typical thing of trying to figure out ways to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Monokuma goes ahead and drops a motive, which is that um, it's called the first blood perk. And it basically says that whoever does becomes the first black end won't have to do a trial. They'll just win and they'll just get to leave. Um, and then when nobody takes the bite on that, he tells them that if it, nobody does a killing within two days, he's going to set a bunch of rabid Mabinakumas on them to kill everybody. Yeah. Um, so that now there's a time limit. Yeah. Which is, like, again, it's interesting that, like, like I, I know like, I'm going to repeatedly throughout this whole fucking, like, episode just going to be like, when you think about the end, this makes, this recontextualizes it in some way, which is, like, it, it is interesting, like, he doesn't care about the motive. He just wants somebody dead. He wants bodies. He just wants somebody to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, it's, like, it, it's interesting, interesting, like, right off the bat, that they're just, like, it's, I want to talk about it more when we get to the end, but it's interesting to me that the first, like, quote-unquote motive that they offered was, like, a way to end the game right away, basically. Right. Um, For at least one of them, yeah. Yeah, because, like, the implication, right, is that, like, you know... I guess the implication is that the game would go on after that person, like, right. won. But that doesn't really work with how the game works, right? Because if the Black End wins, then, like, I mean, I guess there's no trial, so they just get to keep going. But the whole thing is supposed to be that it's, like, one or the other, you know? Mm. Um. So it shows Monokuma is, like, weirdly willing to bend the rules despite also being a stickler for them this time. Yeah. 
Um, and we'll keep seeing that. Um, but so basically our 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 gang of kids are trying to figure out what to do, and uh Shuichi and Kaede uh end up working together because Shuichi has a plan to hopefully sniff out the mastermind. Um because they found a secret hidden door in the downstairs library that you need a key card for. Um, and so Shuichi's like, we can like, you know, fucking nab them while they're going into this door. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have Mew create these like security sensor cameras that go off uh, with motion and they set them up in the library. And Kaede does some kind of weird, like she's like very like adamant about trying to like fuck around with the books and like mm-hmm. yeah she's just a little weird um yeah. and then they set up their trap and while they're waiting in a classroom they see like seven of the other kids going downstairs um and then Monokuma plays this like really awful video that's like has really bad terrible like ear splitting yep. music um and then all of a sudden the receiver goes off saying that like someone was in there in the library. Um and so Shuichi runs out and then Kaede runs after him and she, and, and the the subtitle saying that she dropped everything she was holding and yes. then ran after Shuichi. Yeah. Uh and then uh the they go down into the library and they find Brantaro with his head smushed in. By a shot football. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Oh, Rantaro also says that he's going to end the killing game before he dies. And then he dies. And he asks if everybody knows about something called the ultimate hunt, which is new terminology that none of us know, but he seems to know something about, but doesn't really seem to know what he knows about it. He just knows the name. Yeah. Um, So we also did actually skip over one thing that was happening in the classroom before before the sensor went off. Was it like Kaede and... Shuichi have a conversation about, like, why Shuichi wears a hat all the time, and, like, why he never really looks anybody in the eye. And he talks about, like, a mystery that he solved that basically, like, gave him the ultimate detective moniker, just, like, but he looked the person that he, uh, like, I I think the person that he found that murdered somebody, murdered somebody because that person had murdered his family, and so, like, the, like, the anger that he felt, like, coming at him when he locked eyes with that dude, uh, unsettled him to the point where he, like, he just doesn't, like, he, one, doesn't, like, lo- doesn't like to look people in the eyes, where he always, why he always wears a cap and, like, kind of, like, looks down all the time, and also why he is hesitant about his talent and, like, the pursuit of the truth as a detective. Um, put a pen in that for a game-long arc. Um, yeah, but yeah, Rentaro, yeah, but Rentaro is, uh, he's dead. And Kaede is, like, Rantaro must have been the mastermind. The killing game is over. But then Monokuma pops up and is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Somebody, one of you killed him, so who wants to leave? Who, who is the... Who, you know, gets the first blood perk? And then nobody says anything. And... Yeah, so we're gonna have a class trial instead, because clearly the killer does not want to just get out. They want to kill everybody. They want to take everybody with them. Um... So... The interesting thing about th- this uh, investigation is that, like, one, we're kind of retracing our own steps because, like, we're having to look at all of, like, the, the cameras that we set up. We're looking at all the photos that were taken because, like, they... But there's also, like, an interval timer of, like, 30 seconds. So, like, you're kind of getting gaps of the story being told. 
but you also like Kaede's inner monologue that we read is like very specific in like what she is thinking about and she constantly is looking for the mastermind like mm-hmm. that is like that is the terminology of like who she is looking for that she uses the entire chapter is like she never really talks about finding the culprit and that is again it's just one of those things like in hindsight that is very interesting mm-hmm. um yeah there's a lot of things about this case in hindsight where you're like oh yeah and uh oh mean, meanwhile uh Miu's making like a as a drone like making a like getting up to, um upshots from the uh top of the library and um which like Miu is like this weird like bag of tricks throughout the whole game just like bringing out like this like some gadget that is going to either help everybody or facilitate something like she's almost like a I don't know, like, like it, she's she's basically magic at this point. Like, she can come up with something that yeah. will further the plot one way or another. Yeah, and that's Mew just, like, is a funny the thing. MacGuffin provider slash mm-hmm. uh, fan service object, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. She, mm. Mm. Oh. Do you want to talk about her now, or do it later? Uh, I feel like she's a character that, like, merits talking about no she merits talking about absolutely um i guess like let's wait till we're closer to like her trial because i feel like we could talk about her shit with kokichi yeah her holistically i suppose yeah Um, and yeah and their whole dynamic and everything so we get to the trial um because there's not like beyond like kaede's inner monologue i think like the trial starts out fairly standard, like a standard Danganronpa. Like, there's... there. I guess there are a few th- things of note to mention that, like, the dust that Shuichi left on the card reader of the hidden room has not moved. So, like, it was not used. Like, that is a, a sign that Rantaro might not have been the mastermind at, initially, which is, like, what sets the, uh, the doubt of the situation off in their heads. Um... Uh, somebody brought up the, the idea that Samugi could have cosplayed somebody, like, disguised herself, um, to kill Rantaro and, like, blame somebody else for it, but she takes Kaede's clothes and shows that she cannot cosplay real people, because that's, like, not the, the, that's not the spirit of cosplay to her, and, like, she breaks out into hives that she calls Cospox, um, which I think I vaguely remember somebody saying is, like, a real thing, like, not, not necessarily the reasoning for it, but just, like, I don't know. So, so somebody braver than me can search that on Google. Um, but, yeah, um, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, but uh... it's uh yeah. Those are I think those are like the main like big things. Um, and then yeah, so we get we get to our trial. Um, and it's. I mean, again, we've done this before. Right. Uh, that's kind of very much the theme of this game is we've done this before. Yeah, I, I will say, though, like, mechanically, V3 is, like, really fucking solid. Like, just, like, a really solid, um, like, the many games in it are, like, I think, the, you know, the best in the series. I think they finally mm-hmm. figured out how to do the uh, Hangman's Gambit in a way that is, mm-hmm. like, tolerable for everybody. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I really like, I really like this, the Psyche Taxi. It's just, like, a, it's kind of, like, Logic Dive. Like, I guess, like, it serves the same function in terms of, like, breaking down an idea in pieces until it all fits together. Um, uh, what else? They, they added up, what, what is it called when, like, you have, like, three arguments going on at once? 
Oh, the um, like talk panic action, or is that the other one? No, mass panic mass talk debate? battle. Yeah, so, yeah, something like that. And the inter- and that is an interesting evolution of a mechanic as it goes on because like here basically there's a reason for us to not be able to hear things as well and have to do like more you know minigame bullshit mm-hmm. um later it's just like that that was just like a clever evolution of the mechanic throughout the game um i agree add? with all of that with the exception that the like framing device of psyche taxi is really fucked up oh yeah 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 that's true like the actual like physical representation of it like what yeah, it is like is they, weird. they yeah. frame it as like shuichi being a taxi driver who is picking up escorts and like if he gets an answer wrong he like runs them over and like blood splatters all over your screen yeah that's a that's a weird choice yeah um, it's very i don't understand it it's very strange yeah, like, that doesn't even seem, like, within Shuichi's character, like... No, it's super weird. And, like, every yeah. time you do it, it's billboards of, like, the different girls, like, just, like, very, like, titty-focused. Is it always the girls? I... I all of the ones I remember seeing are the girls. Well, rem- yeah, because that's the thing, like, I do remember primarily... Like the one, like when the shot was weird, that was like the thing that stuck in my head. I was like, well, "That's that's a weird thing." Because like I remember, like I shot a movie, one of Miu at one point. It's like a yeah, that's all odd. Um, mm-hmm. There's also the debate scrum, which is a lot of people's favorite from V3, which is like everyone like when when the room is like split down the middle, the entire class trial uh, room like elevates, and then they're put on two sides from each other, and then you have mm-hmm. to like go and pick the individual. Uh, piece of evidence that goes against the thing that somebody said and it's like very very fast paced and the music of it fucking rips yeah um, the music is good i think i didn't enjoy it as much this time uh mostly because i the arrows are like inverted in a way that like doesn't make sense to my brain so i kept fucking it up mm, um so when i replayed what, what, this- um, I had to do it, like, multiple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I ran out of that couple times. What, what other system were you playing on? I played it, uh, the PS4 version on my PS5. Mm, okay. Yeah, I played the Vita version, and I actually played the The first time I played the game was actually for a review. Um, that review is over at Pace Magazine, if anyone wants to read something I wrote four years ago. Um, and the, one of the funny fucking things about that was it was in the middle of Hurricane Irma coming through, and, like, I live in, like, in, inland in Georgia, so, like, I'm not, like, on the coast, but, like, so we were still getting, like, the aftershocks of it, and it was fucking, like, really bad around here. So I had to take my television and my PlayStation 4 to various places around my town looking for someone with power, because I did not have it at the house. Oh, um, still managed to get that review out on time, so. Jesus. Props to me. Um, but I, I did play it on Vita this time, and I think it just, you know, like, I generally, like, prefer these games handheld anyway, and I am surprised, like, at how well it still works on Vita, because, like, V3 is, you know, it, the first two games were, were PSP games initially, and V3 is, like, one that was made for, like, for PS4 and Vita, and I was just surprised at, like, how, like, like the production value on this game is, like, demonstrably, demonstrably better than those games, just because it was, like, on more powerful technology, and I was just surprised at, like, how well the Vita version still worked, um, because there's, like, there, you know, there, there's some visual effects in this game that are, like, far and beyond anything that's come before in the series, and, you know, it's just impressive to me to play it on that little Vita and still be working just as well. Yeah, I remember I played it originally on the Vita. Mm. 
and I downloaded it on my fucking on the Wi-Fi at my job. Um, oh, I, have a mood because I really wanted to play it. I was so excited. It, yep. This game ruined my life the first time I played it. <laughs> I was so upset. Um, mm. which we'll get into that in a minute. But I. I was impressed at the time, I remember, with, like, the exosols and stuff, which we haven't really talked about that, but the Monocubs mm-hmm. can, like, pilot these, like, mechs, basically, yep. that have guns on them, and so, like, that's pretty much how they're... This whole thing is basically, they're just like, we have guns, we'll kill you, and right. that's, like, pretty much it. That That is the extent of the motivation they're giving at this point. Yeah, um, and so... It... Yeah, it's. I remember being impressed by like the section where you have to run away from the exosols and stuff, even mm-hmm. though I thought it was scary. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Should we get back into the trial? Yeah, I guess we should just because like it kind of goes nowhere for a bit because like and again like the language that Kaede is using, uh, is interesting because like again she's never talking about finding the culprit. She's just like. We're going to unmask the mastermind. And we actually did actually it's give over. There's a, there's a brief scene before we actually get down to the class trial where Shuichi and Kaede are talking, and she's basically like, "Never turn away from the truth." Like I I know that's what you're scared of. I know that's why you're scared to use your talent because you think finding the truth is only going to hurt people. But believe, I I believe in you that you can find the truth and it be for the good of the truth. Like it not like don't run away from it. And um, so we kind of spend like the first half roughly of the class trial um kind of speaking in circles like there's a you know like all the uh there's the point where they think gonta might have done it because he went to a different room at one point because like a lot of the kids were talking like the reason those kids were gathering up together was to try and like fight monokuma whenever the time limit hit um and that's how rantaro like disappeared at some point because he was supposed to be part of that and that's how he ended up in the library and the way it go, the way it turns out is that we find out that like he was led by a flashing light, which was one of the cameras that we set up, and it kind of like sits on this question of like who is the only person that could have set that up, and it makes you pick. It makes you pick the person who it was. Mm-hmm. It does, and that person <laughs> is Kaede. So. What was your first reaction the first time you did it? Because like this isn't this is context, I guess. Like my, I had like nine months to process everything about Danganronpa V three because I was so hesitant about this game that I watched the entire thing subtitled when it was still out in Japan and not in America. So I knew this was coming, and it was always fun for me, like when when people were playing through it the first time to like message me like freaking out about it. So how did you initially react to the reveal that Kaede is the first culprit? I threw my Vita across the room. Valid. Okay. Is that how the shoulder bro- broken? The shoulder button is broken. No, that was later. Um, I threw it across the room and it landed on my bed, so it was fine. Um, I really hated this twist when it when I first experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that was because like I was really excited to play a dig and romp a game where you got to be a girl. Yeah. Um, which now I like you know, have a lot deeper concerns about representation and whatnot. 
Mm. But at the time, I really wanted to play Danganronpa as a girl, and they make mm. it seem like you're gonna, because you play as Kaede. And then, nope, she's basically ends up being the plot, devo- plot device for mm. Shuichi to come out of his shell and, like, you know, yeah. do shit. And it sucks. Yeah, I, I, have, I still, to this day, have, like, complicated feelings on the twist, because I think, like, separate of, like, the gender dynamics of Danganronpa, I think it's just, like, a really well-executed twist in terms of, like, it's one of those things, like, you go back, you, you see the language that she is using. It is clear that, like, we have been playing as an unreliable narrator who is looking for something specific and is trying to get away from the actual, the actual case at hand. And I think it's just, like, it's, especially, like, in, you know, a game that's supposed to be about truth and lies, that they marketed this game as, like, you know, the first Danganronpa with a female protagonist. And then, oh, it turns out that she, you know, wasn't. And that, that, is, that is an interesting, like, play on the theme that it's getting into. I kind of just wish the characters had been switched. Like, why not make Kaede the ultimate detective? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, just, like, have the, the gender dynamics swapped. Um, or even, and, like, they kind of bring up, like, later in the game, the notion of the ultimate detective character. And mm-hmm. I just feel like... I... Because, like, we've seen, right, the, 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 the ultimate detective has never been the main character. Do you know what I right. mean? So, like, yeah. there's no reason why it had to be Kaede. Because the whole trick of the trial is that, like, at first, they make it seem like it's gonna be Shuichi. Right. And, like, they could And there's, just... that, there's that point where he, like, just shuts down and stops, like, because he realizes what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, like... Cause I, and that's, that's the thing that's frustrating about it, is, like, I think the story that it tells for Shuichi across the game is compelling. I think it is, like, especially, like, when you, like, there's that duality between him and Kokichi, and, like, you know, the idea of Truth and Lies, and, like, how Danganronpa, it's, on, it's honestly, like, always operating on these two extremes of, like, one idea, and, like, seeing, like, what exists in the middle. Um, so, like, they're setting the foundation for, like, something that is genuinely very interesting, and I think to Kaede's credit as a character... What she, like, what she goes through in this, like, it speaks to her convictions. Like, I think, like, mm-hmm. despite the fact that, like, I would have loved to have played as a female character throughout an entire Danganronpa game, like, I think the story, like, I think Danganronpa 2, when it, when it, I guess not to, not widely all, all the time, but, like, there are a lot of female characters that I think the series just generally does very right by in terms of, like, those characters, like, even if it means that they are going to die, like, they are going to stand by their ideals. Like, I think of Chiaki and Danganronpa 2, like, that is mm-hmm. kind of, like, a fridging moment, but, like, when you take take into account that like it is very much happening because she believes in what she's doing, it becomes more, I guess, easier to swallow. But yeah, like Kaede does have that moment, and I think it does help, you know, catapult Chuichi into his own shit in a way that I think is like a, a largely compelling story. But I just wish that like I, I would have loved to have played a Danganronpa game as a girl that was not Ultra Spur Girls, and yeah, I just. It's, I have compl- again, I have complicated feelings, and I think a lot of that complication would have been gone if it had just been swapped. Like, I think if, if, if the same twist was utilized, but just swapped. Yeah, I think it totally could have been done, and it was just really infuriating that, like, they literally just did the exact definition of, like, fridging someone. Yeah. Like, truly, <sighs> we're just like, oh, Kaede has to die so that Shuichi has, like... A deathbed promise to keep. Right. And Character it's... development via dead girlfriend. Yeah, it fucking sucks. 
Um, so that's my feeling on that. Um, and then Coyote dies. Yeah, and well, she does have that that chance to like talk to everybody. But, like she was trying to. The reason she didn't speak out when the first blood perk happened was because she wanted an opportunity to like try and find the mastermind. Like she was, that was what she was going to use the class trial for. And everyone's just kind of like really heartbroken about it because like she, they all, it, it was good at least in in that way where like the person that was the murderer like had like a sympathetic. A sympathetic angle and like there was actually like a genuine like remorse happening everyone was upset about it forgave her and you know all like were like okay we're, we're gonna make sure another death doesn't happen obviously they people have made that promise many times over the dying the series and it never worked out but mm-hmm. um i i at least like i really bought into like the emotional delivery of all of this and i again like if, if it wasn't carrying the baggage of everything else i think it's just like it's a really solid first trial like i just that like all the motivation and the mystery was like like the the actual class trial mystery that you're trying to solve um just really strong like a really strong opening um also like very com- like complex in a way that a lot of later game class trials are in the first two games like it just really like kind of hits around and having something that is complex and satisfying to solve Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does get into that execution, and I think the executions in this game are the fucking gnarliest of the whole series. Yeah, I think, like, playing it this time, I had less of a problem with the twist. Um, Just because, like, I knew what was gonna happen, and I could see, mm-hmm. like, it is, I think, like, from just a purely like telling a story and like making an entertaining perspective, especially for like a mystery, I think it's pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. But yeah, it's still bullshit. Yeah. Oh, and then also Monadem throws Monakid into the piano before it's killed. Yeah. Kaede. Can we just can we just say off the bat so we don't have to cover this because it's truly not really all that relevant to the plot. Um every class trial Monadom just kills his siblings. <laughs> Yeah, for the first three, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I don't know, like they are, like like I said, they're having their own like little side narrative about their relationship as siblings, and who cares? Mm-hmm. The, the game doesn't even care, so why should we? Yeah. But, it's, um... It's, yeah. Yeah. So then, like, you know... The Monokumas all, they scatter, and then the whole group is kind of, like, fighting. Like, there's a point where Kaito, like, punches Shuichi for not, like, being assertive as a detective. And, um, everyone just kind of, like, walks away. And Kaito tells Shuichi to go, like, see Kaede's ultimate lab, which we actually didn't talk about. Everybody, all the ultimates have a lab, which is, like, meant to, like, work on their talent. So, like... When we go to see Kaede's, it is a piano room, and it has a bunch of music, and Kaede's basically like, it, it wasn't made by her, it was made by Monokuma, but it probably at least has things that she liked. And um, there was a point, actually, in that conversation where Shuichi was telling Kaede about that, that case that kind of scarred him, um, about a song that she wanted to, that she would love to play for him right now if she had a piano. And he goes looking for that in, like, this giant wall of CDs, and we listen to uh, Claire de Lune, and it's um, a very sad moment. Because she's like, she basically said, like, I'm, I'm leaving my wish to you, Shuichi, that you will get everybody out of here, mm-hmm. and that you won't turn away from the truth. And so, he leaves, 
that room with new resolve. Yeah. Um. Fucking takes off his hat. Yeah, and he he has a little. So we actually did mention at any point, but like uh, Danganronpa protagonists are signified by little little hairs that stick up. Like they, I think there's actually like a, a term for it in anime and like stuff. But like part of the reason, <laughs> part of the reason that like Shuichi takes his hat off is not only because like his character development, but also like so he can reveal I have protagonist hair actually, mm-hmm. which is Very funny because like, it, and it is like a a point where like V three is getting meta about like the sort of. Uh, you know, like, the ins and outs of, like, the things that we know about the series, and, like, just even references like that, like, characters having hair that sticks up. Like, it's it's symbolic, so. Yeah, which it's, is... it's very funny. He has the, very much the hot girl taking her glasses off moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm a protagonist. Yep. Um, it's very funny. So now, uh... Oh, I don't know how much it's mentioned in the first chapter, but we also should know that Ryoma, like, continually kind of mentions that he does not have anything to live for. Right. And there was even a point where he was like, I will let somebody kill me so Monaco doesn't kill everybody else. And that's when Rotaro was like, I'm going to end this game. Don't worry about it, fam. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah. But that, that is relevant in this next chapter. But um, there is also that, that um, first, like, interstitial scene, that, because we have a... A lot of, like, the world building of what this game is happens, like, very slowly for, like, the majority of the game. It happens usually between trials and shit. Um, and there's, there's like, a, what looks like a, a funeral scene for... It has Kaede's picture, but has 15 other blank frames. And mm-hmm. there are people off-screen talking about how uh, this these kids were likely being chased and killed by, quote-unquote, that group. Put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. It's also just like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you can tell that something is up with this like backstory right away, and I don't know how to explain it. But it's just like, like Danganronpa is very silly and over the top. But with the exception of like kind of the end of Danganronpa Three Anime, like they don't go super hard into the like tropey shonen stuff. Um, mm. whereas some of the stuff in this, it starts to get, like, pretty over-the-top pretty fast in a way that I'm, like, I feel like it rings some alarm bells. Yeah, there's, like, there is, like, a sense of escalation to this game, like, because I, I, I do think, like, I, I think what you said is true about, like, the, like, original trilogy is that, like, it is, like, to, to varying degrees, depending on what moment you're talking about, like, there is, like, a groundedness to the conflict that is happening where V3 shows, like, a clear escalation in stakes and story that it is telling. And I think, again, that feels very intentional in terms of, like, what it is trying to illustrate. Um, again, just something to talk about in Chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Um, so starting in Chapter 2, Gonta finds writing on a weird piece of concrete while he's, like, looking around for bugs. Um, and it says, Horse A. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's kind of weird. Yeah, um, that's fucking, who, who could say what that means? Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, Kaito comes and harasses Shuichi into eating breakfast with everybody, and that's when Shuichi does his cover girl moment, mm-hmm. uh, with his hat. 
And then um, for getting through the first class trial, they get quote unquote prizes, which are like weird, useless junk that actually ends up opening. Um, what's it called? Other areas in the school. Mm-hmm. Including like labs, like mm-hmm. for the this, and usually the the labs entail like more tools to do some killing. Um, mm-hmm. so like we we find Himiko's, uh, Kurumi's, Gonta's, Ryoma's, and Maki's, but she will not let us in. She vibes there for a yeah, whole. Yeah, she chapter. literally stands like guard there to not let people in. Um. Oh yeah. Also, there's a casino and like a love hotel. Yeah. And I always thought it was super weird that they introduce those areas, but they're not relevant at all. Right. They're they're part of like these mini games that you can do after the game is. No. To have what is basically like the end route of a like a like a dating sim, uh, for like with with any of the characters, regardless of gender, and that's yeah, like that that would I don't know like it. There's like a sense that it's like a dream state, so I don't really know like what you're supposed to read from it because like Shuichi's out here having sex with dudes. And I just, like, is Shuichi the first bisexual protagonist of Danganronpa? Who could say? But it just like, feels are they, weird. Are they like, actually having sex? Like, what is the... I don't really know what, like, the actual, like, in, in-game in ramifications of it are beyond, like... Because, like, again, they, 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 tr- they treat it like some kind of dream state. So mm-hmm. I never really know what to take from it. But like literally in any of any of the characters in the game, you can do it with. I don't weird. I, yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's a weird area. You also, if you go in there, you find out that Kaito like has a gambling problem. Mm. Um, that's a little fun thing. Yeah, um, weird shit. Anyway, oh yeah, and. Yeah, so, like, after Shuichi's done exploring, Angie kind of asks him to come to the gym, and once he does, uh, she basically, like, tells him, like, yeah, I couldn't figure out what it was, so I asked Monokuma. Right. Um, did we mention that they found the flashback light? Well, wouldn't hurt to, wouldn't hurt to mention it again, so, yeah. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember if we said Well, while they're exploring, they find a flashlight backlight, and Angie says that she'll, like, go you know, like, investigate it or whatever, and then it turns out that she couldn't figure it out, so she, like, hit up Monokuma. Fair enough. Um, yeah, and so Monokuma is, like, Monokuma basically tells them that it's, like, a flashback light, uh, which is something that will, quote-unquote, return their lost memories to them. Yeah. Uh. And he does that to them. He turns it on. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a very tight shot of Shuichi's butt clenching for all of this. They do. Um, I mean, like that. It's it's a it's a whole thing. Like I, I would be clenching my butt if I was suddenly fucking shine a flashlight into my eyes and then I start remembering shit. I'm just saying that someone made an artistic choice. They did. They did. Because it is like 
it's like you can kind of like Shuichi's like kind of half turns. You can see his head, but it is mostly ass. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. someone really made a decision there. Um, but yeah, they basically from that they have uh, as you would imagine, it's flashbacks, and they remember being chased by uh angry mob style people in something called the Ultimate Hunt. Um, which is that thing that Rantaro brought up. Yeah. We still don't really know what it is, why we were being chased. Just know this thing happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the, they, were, they were coming after the Ultimate specifically, and then they, in an attempt to kind of avoid whatever this was, had their memories erased to avoid being, like, hunted as Ultimates, and the implication being that that's who, like, I... The the implication being that that's who these kids were at like the very very beginning of the game in the, in the prologue before we got all our fancy outfits and talents and shit. And so after after that, yeah, they kind of like Kurumi remembers specifically. It's specifically Kurumi is the one who's like Rantaro like mentioned that, and so everyone's just kind of like hmm, like thinking emoji. Yeah. Um, and then Keo offers to do a seance and quote unquote acts all girly. Uh so just just remember that. <laughs> just think about that. Keep it in your pocket. And also during this conversation, uh Kokichi brings up that the mastermind is probably among them again. Um and Kaido threatens to punch him, so he runs away. <laughs> Valid. It's a, a recurring theme in this <laughs> game is and then Kokichi ran away. Kokichi says some shit, like being just like an annoying little shit the entire time, and then runs away. That that is mm-hmm. that is his personality. Yeah, he's very much a hit and run artist. Yeah. So after this, the kids are given a new motive, which is specifically quote unquote backed by popular demand. Uh, the motive videos, like the ones that we saw in uh the first game. Mm-hmm. But the monocubs are passing them out at night, and they fuck it up and mix them up, so not everybody gets the video they were actually supposed to get. Right. Uh, like, Shuichi has Kaito's. Yeah. Which is, uh, all things considered, like, a pretty interesting, like, remix of an idea. Like, mm-hmm. new drama of, like, using the same tool. Yeah. I, I liked, like, that yeah. change. And so because, of, like... Everybody, you know, meets up to talk about them, and they pretty much all agree, like, to not watch them. Right. And so then, just, like, some fun kind of slice of life stuff is that Shuichi and Kaito are friends now, and uh, they start doing nightly training together, which is actually Shuichi doing training while Kaito uh, pretends that he's doing training. (laughs) Because he's kind of a little fuck. Yeah. Um, and he also, like, calls Shuichi his sidekick and shit, and it's very cute. They yeah. have a nice little bromance. Yeah. Um. Which I will say, like, then... I mean, the, like, I guess this is a, is a point to bring it up, like, I don't know that, like, thinking back, like, does Danganronpa really do a whole lot of, like, just, like, male friendships generally? Because, like, normally, like, in a lot of these games, like... Um, they have the Mondo and Taka thing in the first one. Oh, yeah, and that was very short-lived, though. And that was also, yeah. like, vaguely homoerotic. Um, I, you know, more than vaguely, I would argue. <laughs> but um, I, I think I, that, I, that was just something that, like, I 
really noticed when I was playing it this time is that like V3 feels more willing to delve into like relationship dynamics that the series either doesn't really touch on much or never really overtly did because like there is mm-hmm. like overt romance in this game in a way that like you know by the time the Danganronpa 3 came around like uh Makoto and Kyoko and Hajime and Shiaki were basically like established canon couples in like what whatever like whatever stage of the relationship they were at um whereas here like there's actually like two like Oh, I mean, like two love stories, like never necessarily got completely off the ground, but like are overtly canonically romantic. Yeah, well, and there's at least there's there's one where it's like they don't really have time to be an actual relationship, but like the feelings are addressed in the text, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, which that is definitely an interesting aspect of this game. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, we also find out, so a thing about Angie is that she's the ultimate artist, but she follows a god called Atua, mm-hmm. and she's basically, like, kind of a cult leader. Right. Um, And this starts kind of coming out because Himiko has started hanging out with Angie and now, like, believes in Atua, and the implication is kind of that, like, <laughs> Himiko is very lazy and, like, you know, kind of pessimistic, and so she needs, like, something to give a shit about. Right, something, uh, and something to, like, give her, like, a purpose to, like, mm-hmm. do anything for. Um, much to Tenko's dismay. Yeah, because Tenko is, like, obsessed with Himiko. Right. Um, like, let's just get, like, uh, we should talk about Tenko now. Yeah. Probably. Um, cause there's more stuff about Tenko later, but Tenko is like the entire time she calls all of the men in the game degenerate males. Mm-hmm. Like she hates men. Um, and she's obsessed with Himiko, like just for no real apparent reason. She just like becomes fixated on her. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, like. You know, it's obviously, like, a man-hating lesbian thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's a stretch in any way. Right. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, I, I feel like I, I didn't even, I wasn't even struck by Tenko just because of how badly I'm used to us being treated by these mm. games at this point. Mm. I was like, you know what? This is pretty far for the course. Um, Especially because, like, you know, as we'll get to in the next chapter, like, Tenko's story with Himiko is, like... <laughs> What's the word I'm trying to... Like, like, it has a shift. Like, Tenko is ultimately, like, kind of shown to not have been the the one who was wrong. Right. There. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't... Yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated, but, like, it's so... It... I, I, I think the things that make it interesting actually happen in Chapter 3, and, like, that is when, like, there's a shift where... Here, like, it does just kind of feel like a one-dimensional, like, laugh line. That, like, every, every time she gets a chance she, to, like, make some sort of, like, jab at the men in the room, she makes it. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, there was even an, an aspect of that, like, with Mahiru and Dane Rapa 2, where, like, she had some of those inclinations as well, where here with Tenko, it, it, just, it is just, like, ranked to 11. Um, mm-hmm. And it, uh, yeah, let's, um, we, we, I think we can put a pen in her until the next chapter, because it is complex eventually but it does take some time getting there yeah and it it should be noted that like himiko just like basically ignores her 
right? In a way, in ways that are like, like that. There's both ignoring somebody, but there's also like overt like dismissing of somebody, and like mm-hmm. those always like even as Tenko was being you know kind of abrasive like at certain points, like there were points where like I just like I, like, I grimaced at like how cold Kimiko could be in dismissing her sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because it is the thing, right, of, like, Tenko does get kind of creepy at times. Yeah. Um, but, like, like, Himiko never even does the thing of, like, telling her, like, hey, like, stop it, you're being weird. Right. Like, she just, like, completely dismisses her as a person and, like, doesn't even do the, like, I feel like there could have been something. Like, like, Tenko seems like the kind of person who, if Himiko was like, hey, like, you need to chill the fuck out. Like, she probably would try. Right. Um, and we definitely get and... that inclination in the next chapter where, like, she's clearly got some sense mm-hmm. about her. Like, a mm-hmm. lot of, like, a lot of that shit just, like, seems like defense mechanisms, I guess, by the time, like, or, like, her true self is unveiled. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, I don't know. Yeah, the Himiko stuff with the way she treats Tenko is pretty rough. Yeah. Um, especially with the Atua thing, um, as it continues, there's, like, a weird vying for Himiko's attention thing between Angie and mm-hmm. Tenko, like, not in a romantic way necessarily on Angie's part, but just, like, in a cult leader kind of way. Right. Um, and I do want to say, this is something we could talk about a little bit more in the next chapter as well, but I do kind of wish they had taken a different approach with Angie, just because, like, I think it would have been really interesting to see, like, an interpretation of what a character that has, like, real faith that's not, like, inherently toxic looks like mm. um yeah like when you put them in this situation yeah because but... that's even something that i don't think they was ever really touched on before like religion in a way that is productive um if what you know if you're a person that believes that religion can be productive um because yeah it is like over the top in a way that like works for like i guess what you would consider a danganronpa character um mm-hmm. and it Results in conflict that goes the typical Tanganrampa way, um, yeah. where it, where it it's feels very, like it, it feels it like just religion is a joke. Yeah, like I would say, like it feels like the game doesn't is not necessarily actually interested in what faith would mean in a killing game, and is more interested in how it uh, stokes conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much about like how how that can be used in this kind of situation like 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 how a, a cult right could form under these situations like Kiel even says like we have the perfect conditions for someone to do this like right. and so it's just it's yeah it's not at all interested in genuine faith which is kind of a bummer because i think like that would be an interesting thing to explore mm-hmm. in this particular setting yeah um but they don't so um, but yeah, so we, we get back to our boy, oh no, I was gonna say we get back to our boy Kokichi, but first, uh, alongside Himiko being, uh, a new Atua fan, she is also holding a magic show mm. for everyone, uh, and they insist that, she insists that they come and that they be excited about it. Um, also, Himiko has a thing of, like, always, always, always insisting that her stuff is actual magic and Mm -hmm. not magic tricks. Um, so just remember that. Um, and Kokichi is determined to be a little fuck again. Uh, and he says, like, he doesn't think that 
they should work together because every time they try to, like, Monokuma punishes them. Like, that's what happened with Kaede. Uh, and so he, he does a, does a stunt because he wants to watch everyone's motive videos where he uh, tricks Gonta into basically kidnapping pretty much everyone with the exception of, like, Maki, Kirumi, uh, Kokichi himself, and Mew. Mew. Yeah. Um. And Ryoma gets away from hell. Yes, and oh yeah, Ryoma also jukes him. And so everybody else is trapped in Gonta's lab while he, like, has insects assault them, basically. Mm. <laughs> Look at all my friends! He's Yeah, it's cute, because Gonta's not trying to be mean. He's right. trying to just, like, show his friends the bugs that he likes. Mm. Um, and get them to also like him. But it looks like a nightmare. Yeah. And it um, is framed like that as well. Like, the... Everyone yeah. is running away. Everyone is frightened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, we, we see all this. Uh, and then Kokishi does return uh, with, the, with the pads. And he has all of them. But Kibo reveals that he can record audio. Um, cause he's the, oh, I think we forgot to mention Kibo is here. He's the ultimate robot. Um, he like Miu is able to just like pull things out of a hat and just. It's, it's funny though. Cause he, they always make fun of him for being like kind of a shitty robot. Right. Cause he's like, oh, um, my, my, uh, I, I have the same strength as like a human, if not weaker. Yeah. Like an old person. And he's like, I can record audio and it comes out on a cassette tape. Isn't that neat? And they're like, what century are you from? <laughs> Oh um, god. Yeah. So robophobic. Yes, god, that whole thing. I don't even want to talk about the robophobia thing. I just <laughs> like I don't even want to talk about it. The basically Kibo like records Kokichi saying that he was tricking Gonta and so Gonta gets pissed and like uh you know, mm. chases Kokichi which then gives everybody else a chance to escape. And then Monodom returns the pads to the right rooms, but it's funny because he apparently doesn't return them to, like... The rooms they're supposed to go into? Yeah, it's not like he was like, oh, Shuichi's video will go back to Shuichi. He returns the mixed-up pads back to the person who had them. So, like, he didn't fix anything. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so then... It's nighttime. Um, And then in the morning... It's time for Himiko's magic show. Uh, and so we find out that she's going to do a timed water escape, quote unquote, spell in which uh, there's a timer. And once the timer hits zero, piranhas are going to be dropped into the water with her, presumably. Uh, and so she she does her trick. And when the piranhas drop, uh, Ryoma's body is very, very briefly revealed before the piranhas eat him. Fucking gnarly little boys. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, so bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> there's been a murder. Oh. Um, and we get to investigating. So- um, the the main thing here is just that like a lot of it relies on having an understanding of how Himiko did the escape. Yeah, which is like, it, it's one of those things where like. The, the game, like, goes for a humorous take on, like, you having to do something that is clearly not fun for somebody. Because, like, I, I think it is just kind of, like, generally funny that, like, half of the, the trial is everyone trying to, like, figure it out while Himiko continues to insist 
that this is real magic. And it just, mm-hmm. it just felt like a really fun framing of like a t- an awful thing that you had to do. It was just like it was, it was playing into like the personalities of the characters in a way that just felt kind of like levity in the midst of bad vibes that worked for me, which does not often work for me in the series. Yeah, it's it's something like it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I think I still don't really care for it. Like. Mm. I I do wish that like the insistence was, because it does get a little bit too silly for me past a certain mm. point. Yeah, but um, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. Um. Well, what was I say? Like beyond that, though, there's like a lot of stuff because like we. Actually, didn't, we didn't bring this up because um, it does end up we have to go into Ryoma's lab because that's where the investigation leads us. And we didn't point out that um, he has what are essentially two labs because one is like the actual like tennis court shit that you would expect from the Ultimate Tennis Pro, but he also has like a back room that is meant for the quote unquote ultimate prisoner because like that that is like his backstory is that like he used his tennis skills to like kill a mob or something like that. Um, yeah, he kills like yakuza bosses or something with his yeah his skills. Which I mean, I guess he fucking slams a tennis ball into their domes. I mean, whatever works, whatever works. Um, I guess. Yeah, and like so, like the idea with Ryoma is that like he feels like he like like we said in the first chapter, like he is willing to give up his life because he doesn't feel like it has any value. Um, and that's. Because like he's been in like a prison like in the prison system since because of what he did, so he just doesn't really have anybody. And it's interesting to see how mean spirited the game feels directed at certain characters. And this I'm gonna say, like, this is something I felt the first time I played it a lot more like I hate this word, but like viscerally. Mm. Um, but this time like I still see it as like this game is actively mean spirited. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think, like, especially like, when you get to, like, the late-game reveals, like, I think that feels even, like, weird. Because, like, I think there's, like, a... Like, we talked about with Danganronpa 3, like, the killing game of that show feels, like, directly antagonistic towards the people that are in it. Like, like there's a level of ire in the way that that is built in terms of its vision mm-hmm. of those people. Where here, it's, like, they have created characters that they intentionally like want to give like the absolute like darkest most despair inducing depressing stories to and they're like there are characters like Ryoma like it is just straight up like mean in a way that just like there are often times like silver linings to a lot of like the tragedy of Danganronpa and I think that's what makes like the hope and despair arc of the original trilogy work is that like even in the you know, worst of times, there is a bright spot somewhere where, like, Ryoma specifically is a character that I just feel like no wonder he was, like, in such a dark headspace. And I think even, like, when he's trying to, like, have, like, there are attempts that he's trying to make to uh, leave that for himself. Um, Like, you know, the game just fucking says, nah, this this is your life. This is who you are. This is our vision of you in this world. Yeah, I feel like Ryoma, it's interesting you say that because, like, 
the the who Ryoma is of it all. Like, they make a big deal about the mystery of Rantaro, right? Because, like, we don't know what his talent was before mm-hmm. he died. Um, and it's weird that he knew stuff, you know, before anybody else. But, mm-hmm. like, Ryoma is really the person where, like, he is actively looking. You know, like, there's conflict between him and Kaido because he says, like, I don't have a reason to live. I don't mm-hmm. care about living, etc. And Kaido's like, no, that's stupid. Um, and then we come to find out, you know, through the investigation and the trial that, like, Ryoma was looking for a reason to live. Right. Um, but the game pretty actively denied it to him. Right. Yeah. It's, it's rough because, like, you're, again, like, again we, like, we keep alluding to, like, the late game stuff, but, like, it is one of the things, like, when you were playing this game, knowing where it's going, like, you're basically, like, having to watch these characters' lives be written for them in real time, and, like, seeing somebody who's, like, watching these things unfold make these decisions because it will add to the drama of it all. Um, because, like, basically, like, we in the least spoiler way of saying it, like, Monokuma decided that Ryoma was going to have nothing by the end, because that would fuel the game that he wants to make. Yeah. It's... Yeah, you can just tell there's a lot of, like, push for, like, this has to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, they even say that a lot. There's a lot of mentions, especially, like, as it goes on, of, like, it has to be an exciting killing game. Right. Like, it has to be an entertaining killing game. So, yeah, uh, back to the, the, the thing in the foot is basically, oh, too, another thing to note is that they also find the pool, uh, which is right next to the gym, where the, yeah, the, the crime happened. Yeah, like, yeah, there's, like, a whole, like, tool set that a character had to use to pull this off, and. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like, like then. <laughs> It, it it is like one of those things where like is this possible in real life? I mean, probably this one I guess is like still possible, but it's just like the lengths that characters will go to like make complex murders, even if it means leaving more clues in the wake of it, is interesting. Especially here because like that is the problem that the murder of this trial runs into is that like in trying to make this really elaborate uh, thing to like get Ryoma's body from the lab to the piranha tank just like left things behind that condemned them in the end yeah yeah so i guess we can just get into it is that we we find out through a a string of you know investigating and debates and whatnot that uh the person who killed ryoma is uh kirumi yeah um and she did it basically by like (laughs) <laughs> making a rope bridge between the yeah. gym and the pool so that she could put this tiny little man's body inside a piranha tank. Um, and we find out basically that like Kurumi did not have her video switch. She got mm-hmm. the video that she was supposed to get, and so she did see her motive. Right. And she was basically like, uh her 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 ultimate talent as the ultimate maid is that she basically like can do anything kind of like she'll do anything uh, in the service of people who ask things of her it's basically her like bottom line yeah which makes it so she can do some truly wild shit so we find out basically that like she was like secretly the rule like the prime minister of the country and that without her like 
the country is gonna fall into shambles and she like can't abide that so she had to get out yeah and uh there the, to an extent there is like a it, it's kind of like the, the the first one like there is a sympathy for her after it's all said and done because like all the kids are like well yeah like if it's between us and like an entire country karumi should have won this and then like that falls onto Shuichi, like, was it wrong for me to pursue the truth? Like, even though that is, like, what I'm supposed to do as a detective. Um, and it, uh, it ends in, like, one of the most, like, gruesome... <laughs> so, again, like... It's very hard to watch. Because, like, what ends up happening is that Kurumi, like, books it, because she's like, I'm not gonna fucking die here, no way, my country needs me, and then her execution takes the form of her, like, climbing up a rope of thorns, and then, like, all that entails, and then, like, these circular saws come out for her too and just like slice her up and then when she finally gets to the top like is about to reach the light it was all fake and then she just drops and the monodome pushes Monske under her and yeah again it's just like the executions in this game are are very they're, they're a lot yeah i'm not gonna lie for this one a lot of them i skipped because i didn't that's fair. Want to watch that? That's that's. Fair. I did watch Kurumi's because I remember being so upset. This game made me so upset mm. <laughs> when I first played it because I did right. So it's the back to back of Kurumi was my favorite character. So mm. it's the back to back of Kaede, the whole Kaede thing, which I hated, and then oop, now Kurumi's dead, mm. and it's a really brutal execution, and. I thought about quitting playing it after that one. Mm. I was like, I almost put it down, but I was so pissed off, and I was like, no, I've been waiting for this, and I paid for it. I'm gonna fucking see how it ends. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's a... I I, I feel like the series, just generally as it went on, got more willing to lean in to the gruesomeness of this all. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually did, in the midst of a Oh, actually, just remember something else from the trials that we forgot to mention as well, but we'll get to that in a second. We did forget to mention that um, the reason that we found out about Ryoma's past is that apparently he went to Maki trying to find his actual motive video, because he sussed out that she must have it, and it revealed that he had no one in his motive video. That was just, like, the, that last little twist in the knife, and Kurumi talks about how basically, like, she must have met up with Ryoma to kill him shortly after he found that out because he kind of like just turned his back to her like knowing that that was probably going to be what happened to him um but uh because of that um the only because of that we we had to lie in the class trial which we have not talked oh about. yeah i was gonna say earlier and then i got sidetracked and forgot that is the mechanic i like the best in the trials mm-hmm. is the lying i yeah. think the perjury it's very good imo although a little bit hard to use mechanically yeah that is true absolutely like you have to hold down the triangle button and if you miss one shot you'll lose health for it um the interesting thing is like it one it allows you to navigate like sailmates in the trial in a way that is interesting by basically like trying to get people back on track if they have kind of gone into something that's not really relevant or it's just going to like remove us from the actual thread that is going to get us to the actual culprit but the interesting thing is that you could there's also a couple times where they're optional and like you can do these other pathways through uh the trial in ways that can generally the um i think they're called back routes like they are generally humorous because like there's 
an infant we will talk about um there's a point where we learn that Kibo has like can like make bright eyes like like his eyes have like these bright lights come out of them and we lie and say that he if he uses them he can't see and like everyone is is like flustered by it because Miyu made those upgrades so she's like pissed off at Shuichi for basically throwing her under the bus in the middle of the trial. Kibo is like nervous because like he's not sure why Shuichi would think that and then he just like keeps flashing the room and it's it's very funny and it's like again like there there's like these little you know these little Easter eggs that you can find throughout the trial which are not which I actually ended up remembering I think because like there was a point I remember specifically I think it was it was that one with the flashlight thing uh the flashlight thing where I ended up using that just to like progress through the trial because it was the thing that I remembered first be- before the actual like thing that I was supposed to do in that scenario and yeah they're they're fun little things um but even if like you said they are mechanically kind of tough to get especially like especially when I was on Vita like that that is a tiny thing and I had to like have my hands in just the right position like basically in the claw formation to make it work mm-hmm I haven't done a lot of the backwards just because, like, again, like, yeah, it's kind of hard to use, um, which makes doing that a little bit trickier. Um, but I think it's, like, a fun, cool thing that they added, especially in the vein of, like, what we were talking about in Danganronpa 2 with, like, them adding the agree and how that makes, like, there's so much, there's so much more possibility for right. um, the way a conversation can go. Yeah. Especially because, like, every time Shuichi lies, he kind of does the thing of, like, it's usually him forcing somebody to, like, do the Kyoko and Makoto thing of, like, you know that I'm lying, but I need you to, right. like, shut the fuck up about it. Yeah. Which is good. Um, Especially because, like, it, 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 there's almost, like, a relationship building aspect to it, too. Because, like, we'll get into a point, you know, the next trial where Maki clearly knows that we're lying, but, like, trusts enough in Shuichi, and, like, you know, the inner monologue says, like, come on, Maki, just go with it, and, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I like it. Um, I think it's a good mechanic. It kind of sucks that, like, the class trials are, like, a lot better in this one, considering, like, the... I mean, one, that it's technically the last one, but two, just, like, you know, the whole thing of it. Um, but anyway... Back to it. Back to chapter three, which is bad vibes. All the time. It's such bad vibes. Oh, also, the final reveal in chapter two is that Maki has been lying about who she is. Right. Because uh, Kokichi, I guess, like in finding all those cup pads, is able to say that, or like, reveal to everybody that Maki's actually the ultimate assassin, and that's why she won't let anybody in her lab. Because then she'll, they'll know yeah. now. And then he also kind of stirs the pot of, like, making everybody afraid of her. Right. Um, And so she's just kind of, like, what's the word? She's just, like, used to it. She just, like, resigns herself to that and is, like, whatever. Like, I'll just stay away from you. Yeah. And then Kaito's an idiot. He's like, no, we're gonna be friends! Yeah. Which is good. Like, I mean, because... Well, yeah, they're gonna start training together, and it's very good. It's very good. Um, so, the, <laughs> oh, I forgot about this part. Uh, my monocubs have unionized. <laughs> I forgot about that, too. <laughs> Which, again, it's, um, like, it's it's kind of frustrating, because, like, Monokuma just keeps, like, fucking not being a force in this game, but then, like, it is, it is like, 
probably the point where like the actual dynamics of the Monocubs can get funnier, just because like they are they are basically revolting against Monokuma. Yeah, this is the one time I thought that the Monocubs were good, and then it goes quickly downhill. Yeah. Um, but basically, Monodom is like, "Fuck you, old man. We don't need you." Um, and the three Monocubs that are left unionize, and they take over, and they start running the killing game. And so they give the kids the next set of, like, useless shit to open the next areas. Um, and we get the fourth floor, which just has the worst fucking vibes mm-hmm. imaginable. Like, purposefully. It even says, like, in the text, like, as Shuichi is exploring, he's like, it feels like something is gonna, like, jump out at you. Yeah. And it, it's also fitting because it has the labs of the characters with the worst fucking vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, it has... Kyo's lab and it has Angie's lab and then Tenko also has a lab but hers is outside yeah um and it, it truly does not matter you really don't need to care about it um and then also on the fourth floor is a room with a huge computer so just remember that but yeah. don't worry about it right now oh yeah also Kibo and Mew like are kind of fucking yeah, like the actual what's actually happening is like me supposed to be like upgrading him in various ways. Yeah, and like cleaning out his like you know various crevices and stuff, and like you know doing maintenance on him. But which I'm just now remembering, like Kyo's actual function in Danganronpa V3, and it's like oh that's a a thing. I don't, it's weird. Yeah. Like so, I guess yeah. we can. We can talk, I guess, more holistically about Mew next chapter, but, like, this is the point, I guess, where, like, they really put, like, out in front of you what they want her function to be in the cast, I guess. And I think, and I think to an extent, they did, um, I think the Kokichi stuff started to come up. It wasn't maybe last trial, it was the trial before. Or trial after. Um. I don't know, she's, she's a fan service character, but she's also, like, aggressively, aggressively vulgar in a way that I don't think a Danganronpa character has ever really been. Even, yeah. like, even like, you know, people like fucking Teruteru or Ifumi that had, like, gross eye comments, like, this woman is fucking constant. Yeah. Um, and I'm It's a- weird because multiple characters, too, will point out that, like, she's really, really aggressive until you're aggressive back at her, like, and she- then she, like, crumbles. Yeah, like, she can dish it out, but she can't take it. Um... I, I'm of, like, a couple minds, because, like, it is fucking excessive, but I also think back to, like, my time as a teenager, and there were people who were like that in teenage spaces. There are people that, like, say the most vile, heinous fucking shit just because they can. So I think she's, like, I mean, like, I get her role in all of this, but I also just, like, understand why everyone would rightfully think that she is fucking intolerable half the time. Yeah, like, she truly just kind of serves to make things for people and not much else. Yeah. Kibo is, like, the only person who, like, wants to spend time with her. Right. And I think there's, like, I mean, there's even a point, like, when shit happens to her, um, where people kind of, like, think about it, like, yes, she was annoying as fuck, but, like, she also, like, didn't, like, to say the bare minimum, like, she didn't hinder us. She was trying to help whenever she could, in any way that she could. Um, even if she was, like, everything that she handed you came with a backhanded compliment. Yeah. That gets a little bit more complicated once you find out her whole thing, but... 
All right, let's focus on this chapter. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. It's so... I, I This chapter is, like, I think part of why I... I mean, I don't like this game. Like, first and foremost, still to this day, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy playing it. This one was the hardest for me to get through of all of the ones we've just, you know, marathoned through in the past few months. <laughs> but this chapter in particular, I feel like, has is just, like, what like really drives it home because this chapter just relishes making you feel like shit yeah i think we can if if that's the case and like i am also like i don't know that like a lot of value comes out of shit that happens in this chapter i mean like in terms of like the class trial and shit all that we can kind of touch on it in broad strokes because like i there's not even a lot that i want to like sit down and dissect because i don't think there's a lot of like even narrative, like, thematic use for a lot of the shit that happens in this chapter. I think that is probably why. And that this something that is kind yeah. of like a chapter three thing of all of these games. Is it like, well, I'm, I'm taking off too. I guess it like, does have that reveal with Mikan at the end, which is important. But, like, the vibes are always off in the third chapter. Yeah. And, and it always involves killing, killing two characters. And it all comes off in, like, the most fucking, like... Again, like, no silver lining to any of this. It was just feels like a waste of life in a way that is kind of fucking sad, like, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. And I think... Yeah. It's... I feel like this chapter is where you can feel a lot of the meanness that mm-hmm. we were talking about. Like, yeah. a lot of that very aggressive antagonism is here. Because it is, like, a lot of the stuff that happens in this chapter does not advance the plot. Right. It is purely there to be that third chapter of a Danganronpa game in every sense and to just, like, revel in what that is. And, like, you know, like what Ken said, like, that chapter is you two, you kill two characters in a really convoluted way and then, like, you do a fucked up character reveal. Yeah. Um, and... This this chapter loves that shit. Just loves being like the worst parts of those. Yeah. But yeah, basically, uh well the the main important thing about this chapter actually is that like Monokuma and the Monocubs, like or, or the Monocubs tell the kids that they can bring somebody back from the dead. Um yeah. and there's like a split in the group about whether or not they should do that. And Angie forms the, like, student council, uh, which is basically her cult. Yeah. Um, and decides that, like, they're gonna do the ritual to bring somebody back, and they're gonna, they decided to bring Rantaro. Yeah. Um, also, like, they kind of, they kind of say, like, they're gonna use him as a sacrifice in case there's another, like, time limit, which is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, but, so, like, this is where we find out that, like, Tenko has more sense in her head than like what you're actually thinking mm-hmm. because she reveals that like at first it seems like she's doing the follower of a twist stuff but you can tell she's like doesn't really believe it um mm-hmm. and then she ends up coming to shuichi amaki being like yeah no i'm not brainwashed like please help me convince angie to not do this because right. i think it's a really bad idea because it's the motive right um and so shuichi amaki try to do it once and they fail yeah. And then Which we actually, at... we before we even get to like the next day, we actually did forget to talk, I guess, about uh, the what happens with Maki and Kaito and Shuichi, and um, because we 
Maki has basically like now that everybody knows who she is, she hides in her room. Um, doesn't want anybody to like deal with her. Like she doesn't want to have to deal with anybody. And then Kaito, being himself, uh, is like, nope, we're all gonna go out here and train. And again, like 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 it's they train a lot. And like because she's an assassin, like she kind of like. Yeah, Maki's like doesn't really need to train because she's right. already really strong. Yeah, and then was it was it this time or was it the the, the next one where she kind of tells us about her story and like why she took on the, like the fake identity of the caregiver and basically her her backstory is that she's Black Widow. Like that is basically what yeah, she is. Kind of. Um, I I can't remember when she does it, but she does do that. Yeah, and there's even some talk about like. There's a point where Kaito's not with them yet, but um, Maki kind of like asks uh, Shuichi, "Did you like Kaede?" And then she's he's like, "I'm what? What?" And then and it's so funny because she's like, "Well, it seemed kind of weird that you would like someone in this situation, but like, I don't know, whatever, man." Yeah, and then like, and so the I end- cried laughing at that. I was like, "Jesus Christ, Maki, yeah. you were the worst." <laughs> but it's also like occurring to her like. If somebody else could possibly be having feelings about somebody, maybe, maybe yeah. there's an explanation for why well, yeah, I feel like, this way when Kaito like, walks into the room. It's so fucked up, right? Because she's clearly asking Shuichi, like, as a metric for herself of whether or not she has a crush on Kaito. And he's just like, oh, fuh, 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 fuh. Mm. And then she's like, that'd be pretty fucked up, huh? <laughs> and it's just like, Jesus Christ, Maki. <sighs> she, I mean, she, she is learning, like, how to be, like, a social person, like, in real time, so... We yeah, we can forgive her some like lack of decorum in talking about romantic yeah, entanglements. I texted this to Ken while we were playing, but Maki, Kaito, and Shuichi are basically April Ludgate from Parks and Rec and her two gay boyfriends. <laughs> oh, it's like very that good. is the dynamic. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, back to the murder and the not fun stuff. Yeah. So basically, uh, Kai or not Kaito, uh. Shuichi and Maki go to um, hit Angie up about the situation again, and they find the lab locked. And long story short, uh, Angie has been murdered. Uh, and then Kyo is like, we should do this fucked up seance that I've been talking the whole chapter about how I really want to do it to talk to Angie and find out who killed her. Um, and so they end up doing that. And in the process, Tenko is also murdered. Right. Well, and um, yeah. We we can I can, we can expound upon that when we get to the actual trial. Uh yeah, so that's uh two victims this time. Kokichi tries to make us think of the third for a second. Yeah, but it turns out because yeah, because they find him on the floor like covered in blood, but it turns out he just like fell. Yeah. Uh, which will be important later, but it's not currently important. Yeah, uh, and uh, there's also, there's also a point where um, they ask Monokuma, who is like now like taking power back again. Um, what happens if there is a if there's like two blackens in one class trial? Um, and Monokuma is just like I don't fucking know. The first one to kill, like it's first come first serve. Whoever gets to leave. Um, so that so makes... the second murder is basically in vain, right? If it's you know a second person, right? Which would have would have been like an interesting like way for them to go about this, but they just kind of didn't do that because. One person killed both of them, <laughs> but I, I th- again that, that that feels like the meanness showing up again. Like we can make Tenko's death completely like irrelevant. Like it just like and it was the thing that happened. Yeah, and I mean like um, 
Which actually, like, I think the real meanness is we actually find out that it's the opposite. Um, cause like, we can, can we just talk about yeah, it? Yeah, we, we, I don't, I don't have like a grand, grand desire to like deal with like all of the nitty gritty of how we got to the reveal that Keo is the killer here. Yeah, and he's the killer of both. Yeah. Um, and the, we find out that the reason that he's the killer of both is because like, the way that he kills Tanko is like this big ol' like, saw murder trap trick thing. And, um he really, really wanted to use it, and Angie walked in on him while he was setting it up, so he killed her. Um, but he still wanted to use the trick so badly that he killed Tanko too. So, like, it's the meanness of the game of, at first it makes you think that Tanko's death was kind of pointless, but then it's like, actually, no, it was Angie. Like, Angie just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. But then on top of that, Keo, like, for Keo, it wasn't about being the blackened. Um, it was about specifically doing that murder. And then we get into the shit. <sighs> mm. Because we find out that Keo was in, in like an incestuous relationship with his sister. Yeah. But she got sick and died, but is apparently possessing him kind of according to him. Right. And so he, according to him, even before they entered the academy, he has been killing girls that he thinks would be good friends for his sister so that she could have friends while she's there. And that's why he killed Tenko. Yeah. Slash he would have killed Himiko because yeah, uh, that Himiko was... volunteered to do it first. Yeah, because she wanted to, like, speak to Angie. And, like, that was one, like, the one note to, like, come back to is that, like, it was going to be Himiko at one point. And then, like, Tinko was like, no, I'd, like, I want to do this for you, and I'll see y'all later, like, Himiko, yeah, stop Tenko, being... especially because Tenko is, like... Tenko basically is, like, if you're the person, like, channeling Angie, you won't really be able to talk to her. Right. So, like, I'll do that for you so you can say goodbye to her. Yeah. And then, like, you know, keep living and, like, do, you know... Right. Survive with all of us, and then she dies, and it's sad because Himiko kind of realizes like how shitty she was. Yeah, and I I, th- I think like if any like good thing comes out of this is that Himiko like realizes that she needs to stop being like this this shit to everybody, and like not like even like overtly antagonistic in the way that some characters often are in that situation, but it's like that she needs to like care about the people around her and like not be this completely indifferent apathetic person all the time and like realize like like you said that she was awful to Tenko and that like she needs to survive for her because like she owes her that at this point. Yeah. Like that that is the only like dang and rock with silver lining to this chapter. Mm-hmm. I think. Truly. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, so there are two final scenes that are more important than pretty much everything else in this chapter. Yeah. Um, which is, as they're walking back from the trial, uh, Kaito says that he's gonna get some air, and after everybody goes in, we see that he is coughing up blood. Yeah. Um, and then the very end scene is a video of Rantaro, who's, like, kind of explaining some, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Of, like, presumably what's going on, but it's pretty vague, like, what yep. we're seeing. And then, yeah, we're we're on to chapter four. Yeah. Um, 
probably like I will say like broadly V3 like my emotional attachment to this game is nothing close to the Hope Speak story just because like it's I don't think it's meant to be emotionally like resonant in the same way um mm-hmm. chapter 4 of Daymore V3 makes me cry every time yeah me too and also chapter but like four is chapter four is again it's very mean it, it's it's very mean but it also feels like it, it feels more in service to dang and rampa as we know it then it's true it feels it feels more like a case that would have been in like the first game it it has more of like that i don't know how to explain it but that vibe to it but it's it's still fucking brutal right in, in a in like a more like overt way i would say just like because like the meanness in chapter three just comes in a lot of the implications of things that happen and like what the meaning of it all is where chapter four is straight up they are about to berate and abuse the fucking golden retriever of these characters yeah it's also like chapter three also right like aside from being it also really leans into like the grosser stuff like right like the incest with Yo and his sister is not the mm. last time we're gonna have incest show up. Yeah. It's mm. um and like it just is a bit, which is just a lot to deal with. Yeah. But yeah, this this chapter truly just, just does take the character who's just like purposefully the kindest and like most innocent and just really fucks mm-hmm. their shit up. Yeah. Um <sighs> So remember that big computer? <laughs> yeah. That's, We're going to have to yeah. go in there. Yeah. Oh, we, so wait, we actually, we did have a few labs and shit that we got to find and stuff. Yeah, we so if we do the exploration again, and also Gonta uh, lets everybody know that the rock with the graffiti on it has more letters on it, Uh, which that's weird, but everybody's just kind of like, huh, weird. Anyway. And then, so we get a few new labs. We get the fifth floor. Um, we find Kibo's lab, which he's like, this is sci-fi stuff. I don't want to use it. And yeah. you're like, okay. <laughs> um, literally, Shuichi's like, sure, Jan. I'm like, just leave. <laughs> um, and then we find Sumugi's lab, um, which is like, I feel betrayed by this deeply because I really like Sumugi's lab and like her being like yeah I'll make you like fun juice drinks and like we'll hang out and cosplay together and I was like this is very cute I like this (laughs) um (sighs) mean game mean Mm. to me specifically (laughs) (laughs) um anyway uh so we find that and then we also find Shuichi's lab and Shuichi has poison yeah, it's got got poison, and there's also, like, this was another thing that was, like, interesting to see, knowing what this game ended, like, when I was playing it the first time. He also has a giant bookshelf of murders, like, like murder investigations mm-hmm. and stuff, and he points out that the first few of them are all drawings, but then they start to use real photos later. Um, mm-hmm. So that was interesting to, like, just put a pen in, and just, like, know, and just, yeah. Another one of the things, retroactively, that's very interesting. It's also funny because Maki, like, points out um, that, like, it's kind of wild that all of these are just out in the open because, like, anybody could use them. Mm, as a reference. A murder. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it'd be stupid to do that because then you would, like, know right. that they did that. Um, 
So that's just funny. It's not really relevant. It's just funny. Maki's very funny. Um, but yeah, so the main thing of this is... Oh, also something that was important from the last chapter is that there was a flashback light, but Angie smashed it. So right. they didn't ever use it. Yeah. Because um, her whole thing is just about, like, being content with staying there and not... Right. Angie is Celeste. Angie is the Celeste of this game. <laughs> Which is funny because they flipped it. It's yeah. again, they're they're doing some things. <laughs> but anyway, uh, um, the the this time though, so Kaito finds the flashback light this time, and they do decide to use it this time. Um, but the memories are like very fragmented and like don't really make sense. Uh, and Kokichi says something really cryptic about like the fact that they probably need to remember one more thing before they like. Um, will fully understand it, and everybody's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, what do you mean?" And he's just like, "Hee ah. mm. hee," and he just fucking leaves again. <laughs> and then, do we, do we talk so about we, the key card? Uh, no. So the other prize that they get is a key card, uh, which is like, kind of like presumably for the hidden room. Maybe no, I, mm, I, I think Ooh. it's supposed to be. The room at the end of the the death road to despair, what the fuck it's called? Because I think that's the implication. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Because like they start. Because I was like, yeah, because I was wondering because there's a whole thing where right, like Kokichi steals this key card, um, and then eventually when he comes back, like this is jumping ahead a little bit, but he's like, I couldn't figure out what it was for, and I was like, was it not for the door to in the library? Right. But that makes more sense that it was like for the. And death, and it also seems death, like that's death. a lie because he's about to do some scheming about it. Yeah, also he's a fucking liar. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so yeah, Kokichi snatches the key card and runs away with it. Um. And they're just like, ah, oh, fuck. So then the next day, uh, at breakfast, Gonta basically says that like he's tired of feeling helpless, so he's gonna go fight Monokuma. And pretty much everybody is like, that's really reckless. Like, do not do that. Um, and Mew tells him, like, hey, like, just wait. I have, I'm going to bring everyone to a world where the killing game doesn't exist. So Gaunt is like, okay, well, it seems like Mew has a plan. So I guess I'll wait for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, this is, I have a note. A cute scene of training where Maki reveals her backstory. So oh. this is where that happens. Yeah, we 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 covered that. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So that that happens then, and then um we see a scene of Kokichi entering the game room in the basement, uh, to have a secret meeting with Monokuma, and he doesn't get into what the plan is specifically, but he has a proposal to quote unquote make the game more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Monokuma agrees to whatever it is that he's planning, and he he says that it's to ruin someone's plan, and mm-hmm. we have to kind of assume that it's Mew, just based on the fact that she's the only one whose voice that she has a plan. Right. Um, also, they hate each other. Mm-hmm. Mew and Kokichi throughout the whole game, like, this is where it comes to a head, but throughout the whole game, they are, like, constantly, like, going at each other, especially right. Kokichi to Mio. Right. Kokichi's the only uh, person in the room that will match, like, the absolutely, overtly vulgar side of Mew. Yeah, and then it's weird, because, like, when he calls her, like, 
he calls her like a cum dumpster at one point yep. and then she gets excited she's... about that yeah she's like really into it it's a whole thing um they imply that like Mew and Himiko both have crushes on Kokichi in this game and that's fucked up <laughs> yeah I oh I forgot about well the Himiko one was actually pretty funny that was a funny moment like, like that made me bust out laughing the first time it happened was... that that's a chapter away but yeah yeah I was just like when it happened I was like shut the fuck up <laughs> It's like there's, there's this little fucking psycho, and everybody's just into him. Shut and up. And he seems to be into Shuichi anyway. Yeah, like Kokichi clearly has no interest in like anyone but Shuichi, and like only in the like kind of fucked up like anime antagonist gay way of being like you're the only one who's in my way. That makes you interesting. I want to have sex with you. <laughs> um, yeah. but anyway. Um, so yeah, we can assume that his target for whatever shenanigans he's up to is Mew. Which, speaking of that, uh, she shows up in the middle of the night and is like, Hey, come to the computer lab right now, immediately. Um, and so Shuichi's like, um, alright. And they go to the computer lab where it turns out that Mew has, uh, you know, been fucking around with this computer and she has altered a virtual reality program that Monokuma made on it uh, so that they can have a world without a killing game. And she tells them, you know, like, I've taken out all the dangerous items, like, there's no way anybody can get hurt here. Um, And Kokichi's, like, weirdly in support of it. He's, like, mm-hmm. very stoked for them to do this and like go into the world even though like a lot of people are kind of hesitant because they don't want to use something that Monokuma made yeah they also point out I think Monokuma like Monokuma points out that there is a secret to the outside world in there somewhere oh yeah but it's only after Kokichi like prods him right um but yeah Monokuma's like yeah there's there's something in there you can find it Um, so the kids do decide to go into the virtual reality world, uh, and Mio makes a point of, like, hey, you have to, like, put, plug these cords incorrectly, otherwise, like, I don't know what'll happen, it'll be glitchy in some way. Yeah. One's, um, one's for memory and one's for... Consciousness. Consciousness, yeah. So they go into this world, and, like, Mio kind of sets up the rules of it. There's, like, a house, and then there's a church. There's a river in between uh, with a bridge made out of a sign. Uh, Mew tells them that, like, you know, this bridge is the only way to get between the two areas. And... Objects don't break. Objects don't break. And you can only, you know, uh, teleport or, like, log out of the... You can only log out of the virtual world by using the telephone in the salon. Um, And so... They kind of split up and are looking for the secret to this world. And then um, after going to the church, uh, one team heads back to the house. And once they cross the bridge, Mew throws it into the river and is like, whoops, my hand slipped. And you're like, okay, that was very strange that you just did that. (laughs) Um, And they don't really have any other choice, but just like go to the house. Yeah, So we're Um, headed in that direction anyway. Yeah, well, and they're like, well, those people are just stuck over there, I guess. I don't know. Maybe we can find something else to use as a bridge. 
Um, so they go there and they're exploring the house or whatever. And uh, Kokichi is supposedly in the salon. Uh, and then Shuichi and Sumugi are in the dining room and the kitchen. Uh, and Sumugi does let Shuichi know, like, hey, I'm pretty sure I just saw Mew, which seems really weird. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's pretty weird. Um, and then there's kind of this big, uh, this big sound. This big uh, boom. Yeah, a big old boom. So Shuichi and Sumugi run out of the house and meet up with Gonta outside where he was investigating and they all run over to the river uh, and they see the like church party is there. They're like, hey, like Mew's avatar is being super weird. It's just like sitting there, um, like not responding. And so they Kokiji shows up and tells them that the sign actually washed up down the river further down. So they go and grab it and like, you know, get the bridge fixed. Um, and go over, and just like they said, Mew's avatar is just, like, there. Um, so they log out, and they find that Mew is, uh, uh, Mew's dead. Yeah. And it was was an awful fucking face, like, it clearly was in distress in her final moments. So, there's, like, a lot, I I find this case interesting, just because, like, it is similar to, like, the Funhouse and Danganronpa 2, like, you were having to, Mm. you spend, like, a large portion of the class trial like breaking down the rules of something that is you know otherworldly in some way or just like different than what you maybe understood it to be at one point um but uh the the actual like like the actual setup that was and that we were going in there for was that Miyu was planning to kill Kokichi in the in the virtual world frame Kaito because there was a point where Kaito got some somehow logged out for everybody else and mm-hmm. um we, like on her avatar's body we find you know various things that also including the cell phone that you can just speak somebody's name into and they get logged out regardless of whether they set it themselves or if they were set it with the phone in the house um yeah it's um it's, it's an interesting case and i think honestly like as devastating as it is i think the emotional reveals that this gets into are some of the most affecting in the game for me. Um, especially, like, the ways that it uses the class trial to kind of, like, force you to reckon with that in a way that, um... I, like, I don't know that, like, a more standard trial of you just doing the thing, like, that you always do would. Yeah. This this is, like, a trial where it reinforces, like, this game is not interested in a lot of, like, capital T themes up until the, like, the end. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, like, the trials specifically are not, like, about, like, a theme in the same way that they are in 1 and 2. Mm. But this one is very much still about the, like, Shuichi, you have to face the truth, even if the truth fucking sucks. Right, and also, like him having to basically communicate that to everybody else in the room as well, because, like, the truth that we are starting to realize, um, sucks a lot, and Kokichi is, like, feel, like, there's a point where it seems like we might have Kokichi backed into a corner, and then Kokichi just, like, we have to use the lie mechanic, and then Kokichi's like, oh, you got some balls lying to me, but it's not gonna take away your fun, and, like, not gonna let you actually do the investigation, I'm not let you gonna do, not gonna let you do the debating, the trials, and then just says, the culprit's going to, 
and it's and, fucking devastating. Yeah, and especially, well, because, like, you know, obviously everybody is doing the, it couldn't be him, you're a liar, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, but Shunichi, though. Yeah, because, like, it gets to that point where, like, the, like, sort of, like, the turning point of the trial is, the like, the debate scrum, where, like, there's, like, there's a deadlock, it seems, of, like, people that are, like, no fucking way, it could be going to, he's, like, the sweetest person here, and then Shuichi's, like, I have to pursue the truth, though, because, like, I see this, and then Kibo is, like, the next character that's, like, we should probably discuss it, like, because, like, everyone else is, like, so ready to just write that off, like, not pursue it, because it just sounds so ridiculous to them, and they're, they don't want to even entertain the idea that, like, this absolute fucking sweetheart could have murdered somebody. Like, murdered me also, like, in a way that, like, is awful. Like, they've determined at this point that Miu was strangled. And, um, with, with toilet paper, by the way. Because nothing breaks in the virtual world. Um, and also it was something that could be used as a weapon that you didn't think about. Right. And it, um, yeah, because, like, it gets to that point with, like, there's a point where, where Kokichi's finally at the end, like, you know, like, if you just do... Uh, process of elimination, clearly it has to have been Gonta. Like, there's nobody else that could have done it. And, like, Kokichi just goes, like, person by person down the list, and, like, it eventually gets to that point where, like, everyone has to accept, like, the literal only person that could have done it, done it was Gonta. And then, the reason that, like, Gonta doesn't remember this is because he got his wires mixed up in the virtual uh, reality headset, and um... So, like, Gonta's just kind of, like, crying the whole time because he doesn't understand what happened. He, like, he didn't, he doesn't remember going to the virtual world. So, like, he kind of says, like, I've been just, like, trying to my best to, like, imagine what you guys are talking about and, like, follow along. And I, I have no idea what happened. I just woke up one after this weird dream and Miyu was dead. And Kokichi, in the meantime, is, like, being absolutely fucking awful to Gonta. Mm -hmm. Like talking about, like, how he's stupid, and, like, that's why, like, he can't make arguments, that's why he, like, his excuse that he doesn't understand anything, that, that's why he keeps doing that, and it does get to the point where, like, the final, um, like, the, the final argument, where, like, you have to, like, you know, make the comic, and stuff happens, um, Kokichi, like, just before that's happening, Kokichi's, like, trying to get him to, like, confess, and then Shuichi's like, fuck off, if anyone's going to get him to confess, it's going to be me. And he's oh god, I'm getting, I'm I'm about to tear up thinking about it now. Cause this like, part breaks me. Cause he, Cause he just like he just like looks at Gonta and he's just like, hey, like we're just gonna talk this through, okay? And then we're gonna end it together, all right? And Gonta's just like, okay. Like he just like sobs it out. Like hats yeah, off to just, the voice actor. Like just yeah. really really great work here. Um, and just like it's so sad that like. Because Shuichi from here on has this whole thing about like how he can only use his talent after something bad has happened. Mm -hmm. And right. like this is that, but it's him also saying, like, hey, like I'm gonna take care of you right through this. Like we have to do this, but like I'm gonna use my abilities to like explain it to you and make you understand it. Yeah. Cause that's what he says, is like he's like, All right, I'm gonna go through it and like when it makes sense to you, just like let me know, okay? Right. Like and like it's just it's such an example of care mm -hmm. that, like, this game has never shown, right. I feel like. Yeah, I, it's I, just sucks that... Yeah, it, it just sucks. And it's just, like, it, it is also, like, there's part of it, like like you said, like, him taking care of Gontai, like, as he's trying to basically, like, 
unravel the truth because like a lot of I think just generally like in detective and murder mystery stories like the truth is like known as this like cold like completely um unbiased thing that like does not care about how you feel about it where Shuichi at this point is kind of being like I don't have to exact the truth upon people in a way that is cold and callous like I can care about like the impact that the truth is going to have on people and that it's kind of like, like, and, you know, it completely goes against, like, what Kaito wants here, because he just, like, does not want to believe that Gonta is capable of something, and he want, does not want to believe that Kokichi is, like, telling the truth, because, like, all he ever does is lie. And so it does feel kind of like a moment, like, it is absolutely painful to get there, but it is the point where Shuichi feels at least the most aware of, like, what he has to do, even, like, as a detective, like, what is on, the, like, the onus is on him to do that. Um... And it's just kind of, like, as painful as, as it is, like, he knows he has to pursue it. And he knows yeah, that... Yeah, well, and it's also, he knows he, like, this is something he has to do for Gonta, because Gonta just, he doesn't understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, because of that mistake, like, that little scrambling of the cords thing, like, he doesn't get what's going on. And so, like, he, I think he says something along the lines of, like, if everybody thinks this is right, it must be. Right. And so, like, he has accepted that, like, whatever happened happened but like the only kindness shuichi can do for him in this moment is helping him to understand it better right <sighs> it's fucking sad yep and it, it is like for all the meanness of this game like like you said it is a one example of kindness that somebody can offer in the situation that they're in and um yeah then we have to like actually talk about the why of it why it happened like, even though he yeah. Gonta doesn't remember it, so, um, basically the, the implication here seems to be that, like, Kokichi did use the, the, the card at the very beginning to find out what's on the outside, like, what's on the outside of the academy, and, um, the, there's a flashback light in the virtual reality, um, uh, in, in the virtual reality world, and he had to, like, go into watch it first, and so... All we know is that there's some great despair outside of the school walls that Gonta thought was like, or like Kokichi manipulated Gonta into thinking that like the only thing Gonta could do to help everybody was to put them out of their misery, um, which is why he ended up killing Miu because Kokichi also couldn't. Like, that's something we didn't bring up. That like the the thing that like makes it clear that Kokichi did not kill Miu is that Miu would put some settings on Kokichi's avatar in the virtual world that prevented him from moving if Miu touched him. And, um... Yeah, so there's no way he could have strangled her. Yeah. And, um... So we get left on that, that, that cliffhanger of, like... Oh, we also... I feel like we did actually mention this, but this whole thing is because Miu was gonna kill Kokichi. Yeah. I don't think we um, and so, because of that, Kokichi figures it out and then decides to flip it according to him so that they can do this perfect crime and, like, kill everybody to get the, you know, put them out of their misery before they find out the truth. Right. At least that's what he tells Gonta. Like, as we're gonna find out, that was not... Like, it, more of it was, like, a, a way of ensuring Miyu did not kill him and he was able to continue whatever he was, whatever he's been doing in the midst of all of this. Um, but yeah, and so that's why... That's why he did what he did, and that's why Gota went along with it. But does not remember. Because, like, Monokuma has to, like, make an alter ego out of him, like, to basically, like, 
tell everyone his memory from inside the virtual world. Um, so they both are going to get executed. And this is like, this is something that I kind of take issue with later that I'll get into more when we get there. But like, this is where they start pretty um, concretely connecting this game to the past games in a way that I wasn't expecting, considering, like, as we talked about at the start, like, they made it pretty clear that this was going to be, like, mm-hmm. a separate thing. Right. Um, and a lot of that, a, a lot of that's in vernacular, like, like, of things. Yeah. Like, the vocabulary that uses of, like, alter ego. And, like, we actually didn't mention the virtual world is called the Neo World Program. Yeah, oh yeah, they specifically mentioned that um, it was running through the Neo World Program. Um, and yeah, and I take issue with this, and we'll get there when we get there, but mm. yeah. um, but this is where they start doing that. There's going to be more and more mentions of Pope's Peak and yeah. whatnot as we go. Yeah. We got this execution to get through first, which actually, I mean, we also forgot to mention, well, we, we mentioned it, but we didn't talk about that the, uh, the incest thing between the monocubs is like, elevating at this point there's a talk of a pregnancy like dangerous v3 was clearly like setting the stage for 12 minutes um <laughs> and basically going to this execution starts happening and it involves a giant bug coming from one of the monocubs and that giant bug kills both of the monocubs on its way out and then <laughs> kills Gonta and his alter ego Again, in a very, like, again, the, the execution of this, of this game, rough. Yeah, not gonna lie, I did skip this one. Valid. Because I knew the, the bug birthing. Yeah. And I did, I didn't want, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. Uh, yeah. The Oh, I forgot to mention. So, a fun thing, a fun anecdote about this game from the first time I played it is that um, I played it so much in such a short amount of time, and the bad, the vibes were so immensely bad that I actually started having nightmares from it. About what? Like, about? About, like, the trials and stuff, I think. <laughs> I just remember, like, I stopped, like, being able to sleep for, like, a week after, because I just, like, played Damn. it way too fucking much. And, like, yeah, it just, like, it had a profound impact on me in a very negative way. <laughs> wow. Um. So yeah, shout out to this game. It really did elicit an emotional response from me. Um, but you know, art. I art. Very complicated mm. feelings about this game, but hey, feelings. Yep. Anyway. So after Kokichi, you know, like reveals everything that happened, um, Kaito Kaito is really pissed off at Shuichi for this. Right. Um, and he basically just like tells him to fuck off kind of mm-hmm. um because he like coughs up blood in front of everybody and you know like shuichi tries to offer to help him and he's just like no like fuck off like i'll take care of it right um and then maki just like follows him um and well, we also we actually did get a scene with kokichi before all that where he basically reveals like or like he says like that he did not care about going to and all oh, because yeah. like he does start to like cry like at the end like Oh, yeah. let me take like let me take his place because it was my my plan or whatever. But then he's like, no, fuck him and fuck all of you. I just wanted this 
really fun killing game to keep getting more interesting, and that just felt like the way to do it. And um, then he, like, you know, he walks away, and we see him, like, talking about how he's going to end the killing game, and then we see the graffiti that was being uh, added to spells out, this world is mine, Kokichioma, which I guess is supposed to be, like, a signature at the end. Um, it's, uh, yeah. Vibes are off. It's very strange. Yeah. So, chapter five, we've, we've, we know the drill now. We get our funky little items that open new areas for us. Um, and this one gives us the Exosol hangar and mm. the, like, the quote-unquote, like, cyber courtyard around it. Yeah. Um, and when we first find it, um, there's, like, uh, an alarm system and an, like, electric barrier around it so that, uh, no one can get in there. And Monokuma basically says, like, because all the monocubs are dead, like, it's a pointless area. Mm-hmm. Um, because only the monocubs could pilot the exosols for some reason. Yeah, Kaito basically, like, tells everybody that he wants to fight Monokuma and, like, now is the time to do it. Um, and so they start, like, prepping to do that, and, uh, Kaijo has them all meet up in the gym, and he has all these weapons, and then Kokichi shows up, and he's like, hey, what's up, I had you invent these electro hammers, uh, so we could fight the Hexasols. Which are, like, concentrated EMPs, basically, like- Yeah, it's like a hammer with an EMP in it. Yeah. And so he tells them, like, you can use these- uh, not only to fight the exosols, but also to, like, break all the electro- electronic traps in the road to despair, whatever, path thingy. Um, and so they decided to, like, go try it again. And once you get through the side-scrolling, like, puzzle, platformy bullshit, whatever, with your hammer, they get to open the door uh, that's there. And when they do, uh, everything is real fucked up. And the air outside is, like, not breathable. Um, everything is, like, red and black and just, like, fucked up. And it's, it's like, it's important to note that, like, those were, like, the things that the outside world was in the first game, but this is, like, a step beyond that. This is, like, wasteland, like, fucking, like, I don't, like the outside world in Dengen, like the, the whole speak story was like not livable per se, but it was not like it was like very bad pollution that like you could be in. This is like they are breathing the air for a minute and are like passing out. Yeah, it, this is like straight up like post like a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So then, as they're like kind of fading in and out of consciousness from the bad air. Uh, Kokichi shows up and basically explains that, like, this is the secret of the outside world that he and Ganta both knew, um, and that the meteorites that they saw in their memories had a virus on it, and people thought the world was ending, so they created something called the Gopher Project, which sent the remaining 16 ultimate students that just, like, happened to be immune to this disease, uh, into space, uh, and... Uh, Kokichi basically says that he, like, hijacked the spaceship and brought it back to Earth because Mm -hmm. he's the mastermind and he wants to, like, 
make the last remnants of humanity kill each other for funsies. Yeah. Uh, and then he also has a remote control for the exiles. Which he uses to fuck Kaito up and take him hostage. Mm-hmm. It's a... Uh, it's interesting to try and talk about like the major reveals of this game, knowing what the actual reveals are. Um... I, let's uh let's, let's let's keep going for like a, another plot beat and talk about the, that last flashback light before we get into talking about holistically the state of things in v3 um if you want to start i guess just everybody like after this is just devastated right yeah and so like they like we don't really know what everybody else is doing but kokichi just or not kokichi shuichi Shouldn't be get to be so many. Uh, <laughs> Shuichi basically just like sleeps for two days. Yeah. Um, he's just like in a despair pit, and he's just like, "Fuck it, like I'm just gonna uh, vibe here forever." Mm-hmm. Um, and then Maki shows up to his door and is like, "You look like shit. Take a shower and then come to the dining hall." Yeah. And he's like, "Okay." Which so I mean, this does. is all like valid, like. Because, like, it is, like, you know, a scenario that there is literally no hope in. Like, that is, I think, the distinction between, like, the realities that you're made to, that you're made to understand in the other games is that, like, there is, like, still that spark of hope where, like, literally everything is gone now. Like, this is not even, like, this has gone beyond, like, comprehensible problems that, like, Makoto and friends were able to kind of, like, understand when they learned about the tragedy. Like, this is, like, straight up, there's nowhere for them to go home to in a more holistic way than there ever was before. Yeah. Because as far as they know, like, they are the only humans left. And now there's, what, like, six of them? Yeah. Um, and they died at each other's hands. Um, it's, it's a little bleak. Um, and people don't take it super well. Mm-hmm. But Shuichi does, you know, shower quickly and go to the dining hall. Um, and Maki has a- another flashback light, and she's basically just like, "Hey, we should just use this." It's it's kind of funny, like it's fucked up, but it's kind of funny. Um, like Kimiko basically, uh, is like, "So we came here to decide how we're gonna die, right?" And everybody's like seems to pretty much be in agreement except for Shuichi who's kind of like oh mm-hmm. and then um Himiko says something along the lines of like can you make it feel like I'm sleeping and without missing a fucking beat <laughs> Maki's just like oh yeah definitely but first right um it's so funny like I know like a very dark moment but like it's so funny that Maki's just like oh yeah I can totally do that absolutely and like I will just give me one second <laughs> Like, let's talk about this real quick before I do that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, 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 I see why that is a funny moment, but it also is like, it's like, like, Monkey is the one amongst them that is going to get her head on her shoulder fastest, and is going to be like, I understand where you're at, but this thing is probably worth seeing before we make any rash decisions. Yeah, well, and especially because she basically says, like, we have nothing, like, to lose right. at this point, right? Like, we're already at the brink of despair. She basically says, like, let's watch it. 
and then like if it sucks i'll kill all of us right um, so she's not, like, yeah, it's not even, like, a nihilistic thing. It's more, mostly just, like, her being, like, we, we truly have nothing left to lose. Like, of course I'll kill you if I have to, but, like, let's, you know, let's see what we're working mm-hmm. with. Um, and so they do, uh, they do use that, their little light. They learn from this flashback light that they were students at... Makoto's version of Hope's Peak Academy, and they applied to be at the school, but when the meteorites started coming and the deadly illness came, they got recruited for the Gopher Project, and uh, they, after this, like, there was a quote-unquote group fighting back against the Gopher Project, saying that humanity deserved to die, and that's what the ultimate hunt stemmed Mm -hmm. from is those people, like, trying to hunt down the Gopher Project people to uh, make it not happen. And this was the remnants of despair. And one of them is Kokichi, who managed to infiltrate the group uh, and make another killing game, is the mm-hmm. conclusion. Yeah. Um, and so then from this, they're basically, like, what is the impetus? What is the impetus for them? Like, it's basically just Kibo being like, "We are the students of Ho's Peak. We can't give up," and then being like, "Yeah." I, I think the idea is that like, wh- whatever they're feeling in the moment, like they were meant to be like symbols of hope for the rest of the world, and like if they can overcome this despair, that's you know basically what they were sent off world for, um, and that there might be like. If they can stop Kokichi, then there might be hope to find after. Like, I think that's sort of, like, the idea there. Um, How did you feel initially when you saw this first time, not knowing what would come later? I remember being weirded out by it. Mm. Because what they're doing now is, like, the whole thing, right, is that, like, it's backtracking to say that, you know, the version of Hope's Peak that we saw at the end of Danganronpa 3 is where Shuichi and crew mm-hmm. went to school, which right. then directly ties this mm-hmm. to that story, right? Right. Which I feel like I was surprised by because, again, they made such a big deal mm-hmm. about it. Because, like, I know we talked about in the marketing, like, it was confusing, and also, like, the way Funimation did shit was very stupid with, like, the anime. Mm -hmm. But, like, I do remember there being stuff that was, like, this is not Danganronpa 3. Like, it is V3 for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I was kind of confused Mm -hmm. as to, like, why it was connecting all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, And I, I feel like I just, like, I was like, where is this... I, I think I was, like, accepting the narrative, but I was like, why is this happening? Right. Like, what, what does it serve for it to suddenly be about what it, used, what it was supposedly not about? Um, yeah. I think, like, I mean, again, like, I, I knew what was coming, so, like, I did not have a, an immediate reaction to what was happening that a lot of people probably did. But I think, like, I mean, it's just, like, a kind of video game thing for, like, something to kind of distance itself from everything that came before and then but then suddenly not and like that just be like a thing that a lot of shit does um where like 
you know, like people are trying, like, they they want a game or something that is like supposed like is distant enough from old stuff that new people can enjoy it. And I think that is kind of like the idea that they're playing with here is that like, oh, you got invested on this on its own merits, but like here's the thing for other fans that like are invested and like came into it. Um, and I think it. <sighs> Had I not already known what this was actually all culminating in, I think it would have actually deeply, deeply upset me, not because I had been lied to about, like, what the nature of this game, but because of what it would have meant for the characters that I gave shit about. That, like, you know, Makoto did everything that he did in the name of, like, basically bringing hope back to the world, and, like, all the, everything that he built was destroyed by a fucking natural disaster. And, like, that's just, like, that that feels so diametrically opposed to like the very definitive note of hope that 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 Danganronpa three ended on, mm. and so if you were a person that was coming in thinking that this was actually like actually a continuation of that, that would have been very bothersome to me. Um, whereas like you know holistically, I know that's not the case here. Where looking at it more holistically, like it is a clear sign of ex- of escalation in a series that does not need to further escalate um which i think says a lot in the grand scheme of what v3 is saying um but yeah that would have been distressing to me had i not already known where this game was going at the time yeah i i didn't know what to think of it i feel like but i remember being i think like not enthused by the notion of it being connected in that such a direct way yeah um, and I think especially considering, like, how I feel about Danganronpa 2, right? And, like, I would have been okay with that being the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the end of that part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, like, we already talked about in the Danganronpa 3 episode, like, I did not love the notion of, like, Makoto rebuilding the academy. Mm-hmm. So seeing that, I was like, oh, I don't really yeah. like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess I was just like waiting to see what the fuck it was gonna be. Yeah. Um, but it did feel weird too because, like, I know again, like, Ding and Rampa walked the weird line of being like kind of realistic and also very outlandish, but like them literally taking it to space. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little bit suspicious of. Yeah. I will say. Definitely. For sure. So yeah, after after all of this, they basically they are not like, you know, looking to die anymore mm-hmm. at the very least. Um and so they decide that they're gonna go save Kaito. Um and so they come up with a plan to do that using the electro hammers, but uh they realize that like Shuichi and Himiko didn't charge their electro hammers after using them the last time. Um, and they take, like, 24 hours to recharge, so they have mm. to wait until the next day to do it. Um, Maki also reveals that she stole an electro bomb from Kokichi, which is basically just, like, a little, like, EMP that mm. doesn't leave a residue afterwards. And that's another thing that you invented for Kokichi. Um, which, <sighs> this is a nitpick, but, like, why didn't Mew just make shit for everybody? Why was Mew just like, yeah, if you all just make... Yeah, like, it, like she solves. You all don't these gotta. Like she's. You don't gotta do it. <laughs> I don't know. Like it is. It is a thing. A thing. Like if she had the capability of like inventing all this shit, like because like she has one. She is one of the first labs to open. 
Like, she's, like, one of the first people mm-hmm. that, like, has access to her talent in a way that not everybody always does. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, ma- maybe like, that doesn't speak to, like, throughout. She... They're like, why didn't you ask about, like, like when she does the cameras? They're like, why didn't you ask what you were making this for? And she's like, I uh, I just didn't. I thought I was helping with Monokuma, and I just didn't ask any follow-up questions. Mm. And it's just like, why? Like, it might speak to, like, her selfishness, like, her... That like she doesn't, if something does not immediately help her in the moment, she doesn't think of it until somebody like brings up something to her. Um, but I mean, even that like she is always talking about like how her ultimate inventor brain is going to is going to help so many people. That's why she has to leave. That's why she needs to get out. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, but anyway, um. So the night before they're gonna go save Kaito, um, Shuichi shows up to uh the bathroom window because it's kind of the only opening into the hangar where Kaito is being kept, and he is in there. Um, and so they get to have like kind of a mending fences moment after Kaito was mm-hmm. so angry at Shuichi. Um, and then oh, also it's important to note that before Kaito got taken. Uh, Liam Neeson style. Uh, Maki did teach him and Shuichi how to assemble a crossbow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Kaito and Shuichi are like pals again. Um, and Shuichi lets Kaito know that they're gonna come save him the next day. Uh, and Kaito's like, okay, cool, I'm gonna like, you know, try to help on my end. Uh, and then, yeah, and then so the next day they go to uh, save Kaito. I'm sure everything went fine, and they yeah, said, it was great. Yeah. Nothing was nothing was weird. Yep, they just had a big everybody's last moment, and then headed into <laughs> space. Yep, yep. Just like Kaito wanted, he wanted to go to space all that time, and he finally did it. It's true. Um. So they do they they do Operation Get in the fucking hangar, and they do it. They get into the fucking hangar. Um. And like. They just pretty much immediately realize that something is wrong because the hydraulic press that is in the hangar is down and there's blood everywhere. And also a sleeve is hanging out of it. Yeah. Oh, we did, we did actually forget to mention something. While, when we went to go see Kaito, um, the exosols were watching Monokuma and surrounding him. Oh yeah, four of them were. Put a pen in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Gross! Yeah, we also find out pretty quickly into the investigation that the cord for the press got cut, mm-hmm. so there's no way to lift it and, like, actually look at the body. So this basically leads to an unidentified victim, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, they can't look at the body, and neither Kokichi or Kaito are, like, around, mm-hmm. so they don't know who died. Um... And that's kind of the crux of the case, is figuring out the who died mm-hmm. of it all. Right. Because it's either... The, it was one of two people, probably, so whoever is not dead is probably the, the culprit. Yeah. Um, so after, after our investigation, um, the trial starts, obviously. Um, and... An exosol shows up, and so it turns out that the the survivor of the incident 
is in the Exosol. But because of that, we still don't know if it's Kokichi or Kaito, obviously, because you can't see who's in it. Um, and, and it also I, has a voice yeah, modulator. So, yeah, so it speaks in both Kokichi and Kaito's voice. So it's basically impossible to tell who it is at this moment. But yeah, so that's the whole that's the whole gimmick of this one. That's the whole bit. It's a good, like, foundation for, like, a, a final trial. Because, like, it always feels like the, the fifth trial of these games is the one where, like, somebody is trying to play with the game itself and, like, try and break its rules and, like, work within its confines to make a different mystery. Um, whereas... It's also... Uh, always the suicide one. Chapter five. Yeah. That's chapter right? four in the first one, and second one, chapter four. Is it? Chapter- yeah, because that's when Sakura and also uh, Gundam and Nikamaru. Oh wait, no, because chapter five and two is the suicide one, because that's Nagito. Well, yeah, I guess that one. That one is also uh, in, in in its own way a suicide one as well. Yeah, well, because that's what I think. Because I think of, I feel like Gundam killed Nekomaru. No, that's that that's true. That's true enough. That's a murder to me. Um, I forgot that Sakura was the fourth one though. Yeah, well, because it's like in in the first game, chapter five is the one where Junko tries to frame somebody for Mukuro's death, and so it's like oh, right, right, right. trying to work within the confines of the game to accomplish, kind of accomplish something else. Um, that's generally mm-hmm. what my my idea of like the through line between chapter five is between like Nagito, uh, that and then also what everything that Kukichu and Kaito did here, um, because the actual like as we come to find out through the class trial, like the actual goal here is to make a murder that Monokuma doesn't know the answer to. Thus, if he makes like the incorrect ruling, it will like invalidate the game because the idea here is that like despite what we know. If the rules matter as much as they seem to, and like the idea that like making this game interesting for somebody to watch are so important, somebody must be watching this. There must be some audience, and so the game has to have a level of validity. Um, and so that's yeah. There's like the, here, the, is the that, premise is that like somebody is holding them accountable right. to this. Um, yeah. yeah, and so you have to go through the whole process of figuring out if it was Kokichi or Kaito. And then the first reveal of this trial is that Maki stole an Exosol and mm. broke into the hangar uh, and tried to kill Kokichi um, by using poisoned arrows. And um, But because of that, the second time she tried to shoot him, Kaito got in the way of the arrow and got hit because he didn't want to let her kill someone. Mm. Um, and so then the question becomes, okay well did oh and then Maki brings an antidote which she sees Kokichi drink so then the question is did Kokichi crush Kaito in the press or did Maki poison him um and then we find out through you know our boy Shuichi sleuthing that Kokichi didn't drink the antidote, he just pretended to. Mm-hmm. And then he used it to coerce Kaito into working with him on his plan. Um, and his plan was, yeah, to beat the mastermind, even if it meant dying. So he uses um, video, the video camera footage, um, basically 
to perform a switcheroo so that it looks like Kaito died, but really it was him. Um, And then that way Monokuma would get it wrong. And then, you know, in theory, the game would end. Um, But because Shuichi figures all of this out, Monokuma's like, I'm going to rely on Shuichi. Mm. And Shuichi's like, well, in that case, I'm going to lie. And then... You know, he, he he does try to do that, but it's kind of too late at this point. Um, and so then Kaito just shows up and, like, pops out of the Exosol and is like, all right, like, the jig is up. Like, yeah. we're just gonna fucking be done with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's an excellent final trial, I think. Like, in terms of, like, an actual murder. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. It, it works within, like, you know, the themes of the game that, like, are... Um, because, like, it is basically, like, Kokichi trying to be, like, devious and, like, mislead in all the ways he does, but ultimately, like, Shuichi Truth does overcome it, and, um, it does leave us on, like, a very questionable note about Kokichi just generally, because, like, there is, like, in the flashbacks, uh, well, there's actually, like, a, um, there's a line that Kokichi has, but, like, what would, what would a game that you're forced to play, like, how would that be fun and at all, at all? And actually, there was something in the localization where, like, the actual line that he said in the Japanese version was, like, why would a game where you're forced to kill each other be fun? Like, so, like, it particularly putting a note on the fact that, like, he finds the violence of it detestable. Um, and so, like, it brings into question, like, a lot of the things that he's done throughout the entire game. Like, there was even a point at some point where somebody brought up that, like, him trying to do the insect meet and greet thing where we all ended up watching each other's videos might have been, um misguided in its execution but like was trying to like maybe have some sort of like positive development of like everyone like being able to like watch them together instead of separated and like be able to talk about them and so and I, like the, the Miyu thing kind of takes in the light of like he was just try- still like he was just trying to survive in the midst of this and also like try maybe try to find a way to end it but he had to be alive to do that and then like Shuichi just kind of has this inner monologue like what does it mean to be a liar and like Maybe, like, because of that, we'll never really know whether even those last moments with Kaito were genuine, and that, cause that's just the nature of who Kokichi was. Yeah. And then... Uh, it's... Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing with what we're then gonna find out in the next chapter about Kokichi. Yeah. Um, but it's also pretty fucking brutal, because, like, even though he's dying anyway, right? Like, he even says in the flashback, like, I'm gonna die soon, like, you need to get me in the press, like, he still gets crushed by fucking hydraulic press, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is honestly, like, surprised he didn't think of something like, let Kaito kill him in some other way, so he did not have to feel that, that moment of that, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so now we kind of have to cope with the fact that Kaita is the culprit. Yeah. Um, and so he explains, like, why he helped Kokichi, and, like, part of it was the antidote, and the other part of it was because, like, he believed Kokichi. Like, right. Like, ultimately, despite all their shit, he was like, yeah, I... I think this could work, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna try. Um, also he, he says something along the lines of, like, I, I knew Shuichi was gonna figure it out regardless, so it didn't matter. 
But it was worth a shot in the first. It was worth a shot anyway. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, he he does that, and then he also explains that he actually is like really sick and that like, yeah. he's like dying, like he, whatever right, illness if, he has. Like if if his life is forfeit anyway, he might at least be able to do one thing in like protest of Monokuma and everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Monkey gets upset because she's never felt so like about somebody else before. Yeah, and she like she flat out says, at least in the English version, she flat out says that she fell for him. Right. And Monkey Roll. We actually haven't said that yet in this whole show. Like he calls her Monkey Roll. Yeah. And she it's very sad. And then he basically says, like, you know, if you could fall for someone like me, then, like, you know, you must have gotten over the part of you that hated yourself or whatever right. and thought you couldn't have friends. They thought, um, they thought you couldn't be more than a assassin. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, time to go do this execution. Yeah, we actually... There was one important note. Um, there are multiple references in the trial to Junko and the Remnants of Despair and the Academy, and Kaito has no idea what they're talking about, and that doesn't really, like, I mean, it, it comes up later, like, more, very more um, prominently, but, like, it's something that they kind of, like, gloss over in, in the midst of the trial, is that, like, Kaito has no idea what anybody's talking about when they say these things. Um, but, and, uh, when he starts to cough up blood again, like we talked about, like, oh, it must have been from the meteorites, and he's like, even that, he's not entirely sure what they're talking about, like, because we were supposed to be immune. Um, but... Yeah, he- and also, you have to realize that, like, they do at some point say, like, oh, Kaito wasn't there when we used the light that Maki had mm-hmm. us use, mm-hmm. and then also he obviously wouldn't have had the one that Angie crushed. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, so that bitch is head empty. Yeah. And then, like, there's even a flashback when Maki's in there, like, initially trying to kill, kill Kokichi. Like, he doesn't know what a remnant of despair is. Like, what are you talking about? I don't know what that is. And she's like, cut the bullshit! And the fight continues. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we do the the Monokuba bit. Uh, he, you know, shoots Kaito up into space in a space pod. Yeah. But Kaito ends up dying from his illness. Mm-hmm. before the execution actually happens and the pod even says like execution failed yeah um and so then all of them kind of say like that was you know kaito's victory here mm-hmm. was that he you didn't kill him he died mm-hmm. like he did die but you didn't kill him yeah um and monokuma's fucking pissed yeah and as it comes crashing down um the the i like i, I think it was the, the rocks that like came from the actual, like, crash site, uh, knock off Kibo's little, little, little stick-up hair, yeah. And he, and he just kind of was, like, n- you know, like, he, he stands there silently as, after that happens. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. Like, it, it is, like, it, interesting to, like, watch it be full circle in terms of that execution, because that was, like, the same thing that happened to Hyogo's dad at the very, 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 very beginning of the first game. Um, mm-hmm. so that felt, you know, nice little circle that they did there. After this, oh, also, um, 
Monokuba brings back the Monocubs, but they're brand new robots. They, like, don't remember any of the stuff that already happened. Mm. Um, and then, uh, Maki and Shuichi go back to the spot where they had been training in the courtyard with, uh, Kaito, and it's very sweet. They have a talk about their boyfriend, (laughs) um, their mutual boyfriend, and, um... And then it's very sweet. Sumigi and Himiko show up and are like, hey, we're gonna train with you. Mm. Um, and then after they're done training, they all kind of wonder, like, where Kibo's at. And then we smash cut to a scene of Kibo kind of having his own little, like, monologue. And he's saying that he can't hear his inner voice anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he decides that the only way to stop killing game and stop that it's bare is to just destroy the entire fucking school um and so he gets a gun yep he doesn't have a hang up about sci-fi anymore yeah no he fully just gets a gun like a big old like ray gun and starts just destroying the fucking school yeah then we see some fucking weirdo that we've never seen before yeah, a child with a bowl cut whose name is Makoto, but not is not our Makoto, right. clearly. Um, he says that he's regular, but he goes to a special school and that he wants to run away, but something that he's like watching on his phone, uh, that he's quote unquote obsessed with gives him courage and hope. And you're like, huh, that's weird. Um, and then it cuts back to Kibo. And he's just truly fucking going off. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like a jetpack too, so he's just like flying around. And Maki is basically like, we have to, you know, try to talk him down. Mm-hmm. And so they flag him down in the courtyard. And Shuichi basically convinces him to like stop until dawn, um, because he thinks he can stop the killing game. And Kibo's like, all right, but you only have until dawn after that. Like, I'm fucking killing all of us. Yeah. And uh, and then Monokuma shows up, and he's like, you're fucking doing what now? <laughs> you're ending what? I don't fucking think so. And so then Kibo starts what Shuichi calls a war between himself and the, uh, the ex-assaults. And so then Maki, Himiko, Sumugi, and Shuichi have to run around a school that is literally a war zone looking for clues mm. to figure out what the fuck is going on. In the midst of, like, a time limit as well. Like, it's a pretty cool, like, investigation. Like, a way to shake things up um, in, the, like, in, the, in the final hour. Um, yeah, I, like, I'll admit, this time, I don't remember how I did on it when I first played it. This time I sucked. I had to, like, um, I hit the time limit twice. Yeah, this was the point where I realized that, like, my understanding of the layout of the Ultimate Academy is nowhere near as strong as, like, Hosty, because, like, I got lost a couple times. Um, yeah, me too. And I was like, God damn it, I've just been fast traveling this whole time. I don't fucking yeah, know Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I have to walk to places now. And Yeah. I, and then, two things look different because there's, like, rubble everywhere and yeah. shit. And I, I did end up hitting the time limit once, and it was at the very tail end, too, so I was like, this. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I almost got, I was almost done. And, uh, yeah. But I I do just generally enjoy the way they decided to shake things up at the end in a way that, like, 
because like you know the final investigations of the first two games like they are you are being presented by monokuma like here go find all the secrets and now we're like it, it makes it interesting because like i mean especially when we understand the truth of all of this is that like you probably gathered this hasn't happened before because there hasn't been a wild card like Kibo to disrupt things in this way. Because um, we are basically finding all of this shit uh, while Monokuma and his children are all protesting by way of giant robots. So it's very, it's a very cool scene. Section. Yeah, and they they are like actively, Monokuma truly said fucking bet. <laughs> um, and then the Exosols, like, it's a weird thing where like, Kibo says, like, yeah, like, are they gonna kill you? Probably not. But, like, will they hurt you if Mm -hmm. they find you? Like, mm, probably. So, the kids are working under some very strange circumstances for this one. Um, but yeah, it's a lot, it, it also serves, like, because of Kibo, they're able to get into the remaining areas that they weren't able to get into before. Because he just fucking blows them up. Um, which, for those for those at home keeping score, that is Red Taro's lab and the, what's it called? The hidden the, room. The hidden room, yeah. In the library. Um, so yeah, we, we, we basically, I mean, we, we find out all the secrets, or we get all the final clues for all the secrets. Red Taro's lab, the main thing is we find out he's the ultimate survivor. Um, which basically means he was in a killing game before, and he won. Yeah. Um. Which is interesting, because, like, this is actually something that the game doesn't go out of its way to tell you, unless you do the mode where you can go to, uh, the, like, basically you can do the social things without anybody dying. His actual talent, like, Ultimate Survivor is more like a status within the game where he had an actual talent, which was the Ultimate Adventurer. Which is never explained ever once in the main game. You have to go. Yeah, they. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, like half of his um social link stuff ends up being like him trying to remember his talent, and that was just something that like he remembers like near the end of it. Um. Yeah, so. That's his talent, as far as the main game, goes on to tell you. Yeah, I didn't even know that until literally right now. Yeah. So. But. The other thing, too, is we find out that the the graffiti that they found wasn't written by Kokichi. It was actually a hint for Rantaro to open the vault in his um, lab. Yeah. And there there was a... Well, um, did we skip over the Kokichi lab shit? Because that's, that's, like, where, where it all starts. Maybe. Yeah, we start out, like, the first thing we do is we, we find Kokichi's lab, which gets opened up by Kibo destroying the ground and the entrance, uh, the lobby in the, the very opening of the school. Um, and we get into that lab, it's clearly not made for somebody that was part of Ultimate Despair, it has, like, it basically looks like a clown? Like, I don't know, like... Yeah, he's literally a fucking clown. Yeah. And his crew is, like, literally... They have, like, clown masks, but, like, not in the jokery way, like, they're actually clowns. Like, they're, they are pranksters. Like, that is their thing. Um... Also in there, we find a complete history of Host Peak Academy. Like, it's a, like a researched book. I don't know, even in the scope of what, before Kibo started fucking shit up, I don't know, like, what their plan was for that, but there is a complete history of Host Peak Academy. We read it a little bit, and then we realize that there are some contradictions between our memories and what's in this book. Um, put a pin in that. 
Um, and then we end up going into his room where we find out that he had a like a bunch of evidence from each of the trials, like including the photos, which are important from from trial one. Schematics for several things, including this like bug vacuum that we don't really because like there was a point earlier where Gontas said that he'd been seeing like tiny microscopic bugs that nobody else saw. Um and uh there's also a note that said the quote unquote other clue was in or behind a boiler behind the school. Which we end up finding out is the second clue for the the safe inside Rentaro's lab. Yeah, it's also, it's in the area by the, where the underground path is, yeah. like where the entrance to that is. Um, and so then you're able to open the thing, which then gives you yeah the video where Rantaro reveals, um, or you get to see the full video of him, you know, explaining the survivor perk mm-hmm. and all of the. All of his deal, which also kind of reveals some contradiction. Right. Because he talks about, like, how he has been in a killing game before, but through our memories we know he was not part of the killing game in Hope's Peak or on Jabberwock Island. So, who is this man? What, what, what was he doing? What is, this, what is this killing game? Yeah, it's also, like, I don't know if, they pre- if the game presents it as a contradiction, but I find it a contradiction that, like, in the game like in the video it says you wanted this killing game so you have to win no matter what but then the hint that he left himself was a way to stop the mastermind to stop the game yeah it's it is interesting because i don't i don't really know what yeah i guess we'll just never know because that's like in the gaps of information that the game provides but like like he wanted the killing game did he want to win in a more overt way than he apparently did after we learn what it means to be the ultimate survivor. Maybe. Because, like, the, the implication being that there is a winner and there is an ultimate survivor. Like, when there are two when there are two people that survive. Like, one person leaves, another person's the ultimate survivor. That seems to be... I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll unpack that more when we get to it. Yeah. But, so it's just, it's weird. There's weirdness with what Rantaro is saying. Mm-hmm. And then, what is the other place that we get into? Oh, the room. The hidden room underneath the, uh, in the basement. Yeah, in the library. Um, this fucking room. So, <laughs> they, they open says me this room with the key card, or, well, Kibo blows it up. Mm-hmm. And then they investigate, and they find... Something called the Mother Kuma, mm-hmm. which is a big monokuma head in a jar with a bunch of wires sticking out of it. Uh, that's apparently a computer that's been helping the mastermind do whatever the fuck they're doing. Yeah, it can also give birth to other monokumas. Specifically, you have to say that. So, so it says. We never actually see it do it. It refuses to do it in front of you, and then it gets broken. We have to take its shady fucking word for it. Yeah. And then we um, also in in the trash can we find a shot football. That weird. That has, has pink fibers all over it. Weird. So in another like Dang and Rampa one callback, there's that they mention explicitly. Mm-hmm. There's um Himiko finds us gets Himiko gets trapped in the room because it like 
gets exploded while yeah. Kibo is fighting the Exazols. And so then Zumugi and Shuichi are basically just like, oh, fuck, like, I, I guess we'll figure it out. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> um, and so then they kind of just keep investigating. And then Himiko shows up and she's like, hey, I found this passageway between the Mother Kuma room and the girl's bathroom and like shows it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they figure out like, OK, you could move from these areas. Um, mm-hmm. So just remember that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then also, so the other room that they find is um, in Kaito's lab. There's like another room behind it, which turns out to be the room where they were kept in cold sleep while they mm. were, you know, being spaceshipped. And then the list of participants also says that Kaede has a twin. Right. Which is similar to how Junko had a twin. Yeah. And it's. <sighs> There's interesting things like watching a certain character's behavior in this moment, trying what's almost like they're trying to salvage the situation in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just an interesting thing to play be playing this game again and watch that character, like, eh, put a pen in, pen in that. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the proper reveal. But yeah, they, they, they leave a thread that there, there might be, like, a, a 17th student somewhere around that has been controlling Monokuma or some shit. Yeah. It's... <sighs> I have nothing to say at this point. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's after yeah. thinking about it yep. for a minute. Let's just keep going. So then the next thing is that um, Kibo shows up and he's basically like, hey, like while I've been, you know, flying around fisticuffsing these fucking exosols, uh, I saw something weird in one of the classrooms. And so Shuichi's like, okay, let me go check that out. And so he goes there and discovers that this classroom is where the flashback lights are made. And the computer that, you know, like, you use to 3D print them and program them has, like, different memories that you can choose to upload. And some of them are, like, or, like, there's, like, multiple versions of Mm -hmm. the same memory um, for each one. Like, different, like fucking life is strange paths basically <laughs> yeah. for these memories like like examples um, being that like there are no survivors of humanity some of them are on a different planet or they're like you know just different possibilities that seem to contradict each other mm-hmm. um so shuichi's like what the fuck um he also discovers that like when the door um closes it converts to like looking like a regular classroom so that no one would like walk in on it um they find out so like the little vacuum design that maki found um it turns out that mew had make made a functioning prototype of it Mm. and so they use it and they end up sucking up uh what they dub the sixth monocub which is actually these nanokumas, mm. which are tiny little bugs with like, <laughs> they have like the on the shoulder cameras. It's very funny. Mm. But like, they were like, oh yeah, it's their eyes or whatever. It's like, no, they're holding tiny little cameras. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 
very funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they have like little butterfly wings and they're tiny little monokumas with these cameras. And so that's how the, um, what's it called? The mastermind has been doing the surveillance this time mm. as opposed to like, you know, the cameras mounted everywhere. This is the, this is the future, baby. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And they specifically send the footage to Mother Kuma, which is yes. an important note. Yeah, so it's like, I think, what did they say the process is? It's the mana, the Nanakuma sent it to Mother Kuma, who then parses it, and then the mastermind can, like, access mm-hmm. it from there. So, after this, Shuichi is basically like, hey, I want to do one more class trial. Like, basically, like, tells Monokuma to 1v1 him, kind right. of. Yeah. Um, But, like, in a class trial. <laughs> Um, and so Monokuma's like, all right, fine. Um, whatever. So they, so they, they do this. They're, they're gonna do, they're gonna do the trial. Yeah. Do you, well, they also, do they, you have anything, yeah, I was just about to say, is there anything that we need to talk about before we go into the trial? Uh, Kibo comes down and he gets like all his stuff, like all his sci-fi stuff taken off. And he also gets his, um, little, little hair piece put back on him. Um, oh yeah, that's like a thing too, right? Where they specifically say like, "Hey, we're gonna take the weapons off of Kibo because we don't want him to be able to just like freak the fuck out if the trial doesn't go the way he wants." Right. Um. So they say that, and then but they don't mention putting his antenna back until after he shows up, and he's like, "Yeah, they uh they put it back on me." Yeah, and now he's like, "I can hear my inner voice again." Um. There was one thing that we actually completely skipped over uh, in the midst of all of this investigation. Uh, at the end of Kaito's trial, we got hit with another flashback light, but it didn't do anything immediately. So we do get, like, periodic, like, we periodically recover memories as the investigation's going on. Um, the main ones were, like, there's a point where we see, like, Shuichi talking to a kid that's, like, talking about how the Gopher Project is supposed to save all of them, but, like, not realizing that the Gopher Project was specifically meant to save 16 people. Um, there's a point where Shuichi's talking to his friends at Hope Peak and being, they're like, oh, you know, we're so excited that you're gonna get to be, you know, the future for humanity. You're our hope now. And there's also one where he has a conversation with Makoto. And he's, like, agree, basically, like, it. it's, like, the, the, uh, the videos from the first game where they were all talking to Kyoko's dad about, like, we agree to be part of the Shelter Project, and this is them agreeing to be part of the Gopher Project, and it does that, it does that thing where, like, it doesn't even show Makoto's face, it has, like, question marks on the subtitles, but it does this thing where, like, the camera pans up, and you see his little hair antenna as well, um, which was, you know, that was affecting in its own way, um, so yeah, that was just, like, something the Monokuma, like, it, you see, in this last chapter, you see the like Monokuma and other people trying to salvage the situation, but because everything is going on, like you're you're seeing like threads being put down that were probably meant to go somewhere at one point, but the state of things has meant that they are just trying to basically work with what they've got. And Shuichi basically posing to Monokuma like I am calling a class trial, not you, is interesting enough, and so Monokuma's down for it. Um I think we got everything other than that. Hell yeah. So this is, yeah, this is our, like, final showdown is how they kind of phrase it. Mm. And so, yeah, we head back to the the trial ground and Kibo shows up, sands his gear. You know, the trial starts and Monokuma is basically just, like, 
hey, Shimichi, why the fuck are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And then, so you get the option, you know, a lot of this trial is, like, Monokuma yelling questions at you, and then you having to choose an answer from the multiple choice. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, so you basically are, like, we're retrying Kaede's case because Shuichi's theory is that the mastermind actually killed Rantaro and not Kaede. Right. And, then like, covered it up. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, it's a, it's a good, interesting foundation to, like, circle all things back to that moment where, like, the most unanswered questions are, just generally, like, because, like, Rantaro is, like, the first time that a ultimate question mark, question mark, question mark person has been killed, and that already is, like, red flags, and it was so early, so, like, even though that chapter seemingly, like, left on a, like, you know, with everything tied up, um, that, I, it just felt... It felt good to come back to it but by that point because it mm-hmm. was still, like, a wound that the, the game was constantly picking at. Yeah. I also like that it kind of brings back to the Chapter 5 stuff in the first game of, like, the mastermind is cheating. Right. Which, you know, we'll get to whether or not that actually matters in a minute. But, you know, I think as far as, like, having a well-crafted crafted callback mm-hmm. i think that was a good one yeah i don't think we have to get into like the nitty-gritty of like every part of the trial especially this like beginning part mm. but basically through deduction they realize that shibichi is right the mastermind did kill mm-hmm. rantaro yeah. and and specifically framed kaede for it because like mm-hmm. we find like, we found her shop at ball that had the pink fibers that was clearly like wrapped in her pink vest, because, like, she even mentioned that in that first chapter, that, like, that was a thing. Yeah, that, that she, she wrapped it so, like, they wouldn't crush the cameras. Right. Um, so then it just comes down to, like, it, ultimately, like, the damning thing that happens is that we have to talk about everybody's alibis for Rentaro's death. And where everybody seemingly had rock-solid alibis before, now that we know that there is a secret path from the girls' bathroom to the hidden room, it suddenly incriminates Samugi. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I guess look, we should talk about like the the full m- mastermind unveiling here first, because I think Smoogie's kind of fascinating. It's like to watch after you've played the game before and like you've seen everything, um, and you know where everything is going. Because what ends up happening is that like as the evidence like starts to pile up, she starts to freak out that no, it must be Junko and Nishima. She is the one who's behind all of the, all of these killing games quote-unquote, even if it's boring or repetitive. And, you know, that, that was, that's a, honestly, like, a genuinely, like, gut-laugh line for me. Um, yeah, because... this part, there was another, there's something else about that, too. I can't remember the line now. But there's another thing that I say about, like, the killing game is, like, inevitable or, like, in, like infinite. Like, mm-hmm. as long as it's, oh, as long as it's fun, it'll keep happening. Yeah. And, um... So, what what ends up happening is because, like, she continues to, like, just keep throwing out that, like, it must be Junko Inoshima, it must be Junko Inoshima. Um, she eventually, like, just totally, like, throws on a Junko outfit, and, like, it, like, Amanda Miller's voice comes in, and, like, I admit, I, like, when I first heard that, uh, in 2017, like, when I heard Amanda Miller speaking at Junko again, after Jang and Rapa 3 had, like, a completely different dub and all that shit, got emotional about that, um, but the interesting thing about 
Samugi retroactively is like you constantly see her trying to like not only salvage the game but like keep it on script like she never like the reason that she goes under the radar for so many people leading up to this moment is that she her presence almost feels benign all the time because like all she ever really does is like say things that will like you know push people on to keep to keep going basically like she like the thing that I think it most stuck out to me before was in chapter three when she's the one that wants to talk about the motive of the, like the bringing somebody back to life and she's like oh the transfer student must be and, like when everyone else is just kind of like no that's stupid can we get back to what actually happened and mm-hmm. when she was the person that um brought us to the the root the cold sleep room behind Kaito's lab and she's like oh Kaede must have had like another like had a twin sister who might be controlling everything by the scenes like you can see like she's trying to set up a different plot line here and like but nobody like she is not able to like she's almost like not competent enough in it to like make it work because like everyone kind of sees through the things that she's trying to set up and i think that she's like interesting in that way to like watch i i think she's like very interesting it's interesting how deliberately she is a non-factor in most of the game is because she's trying to not be yeah like i was thinking about it as you were talking and like yeah every time there's like a big group decision she does almost the same thing that kirumi does of just being like if that's Mm -hmm. what everyone thinks then i'll do it right but like we know that that's a character thing for kirumi right like Mm -hmm. she is a person who is entirely driven by the desires of other people Mm -hmm. so she's gonna do whatever the group wants to do as part of her like service but Sumuki doesn't have a reason to do that, other than that she's trying to come across as, like, meek. Right. Um, and, like, to not stand out. And she also does, we haven't mentioned this at all, because we haven't really talked about the character quirks too much, but Sumugi has a thing about being plain, mm-hmm. and how, like, the only time people notice her is in her cosplay. Right. And, like, if you spend time with her um, during free time, I think it's, like, twice, she'll talk to you about, like, being plain and you'll be like i really don't think you're that plain and she will like insist on it. Mm-hmm. and even shuichi's kind of like that was fucking weird right um but yeah but then you just kind of forget about it because there's so much else going on right yeah and um so like, i guess to keep to keep going because like to talk about smoogies to talk about taking rope of v3 so to keep going like she does she is in junko's costume and like she Oh Nobody... yeah, and that's a contradiction in and of itself. Right, but um, because do we want to? Is this that reveal? Uh, not yet. I, I think we need to get to when she starts being other characters. But um, because like she, she is like really buying into like the sudden Junko persona that she's in, and like again, despite the fact that like she is trying to buy into it, like so holistically, everyone else is pointing out these contradictions. Like, oh, you must just be a person in, impersonating Junko or something right now, because everyone knows that Junko is dead and. Um, she starts to, like, try and give her, like, uh, expository monologue of, like, oh, my inner Junko told me that I had to disrupt the Gopher Project for despair's sake, and, um, Koichi had no idea that, like, the, uh, the subject of his obsession was right next to him the whole time, and everyone kind of, like, stops really bothering with the specifics of what she is saying, because they start to talk about the flashback lights and how there are contradictions between the memories that they have of Hofik and 
this book that Shuichi found that is supposed to be like a holistic, uh, like encyclopedia basically of Hoshik Academy. And so, like, something I, 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 I found interesting about this is that, like, the minutiae of like the contradictions is so small that it, like, I think you have to be like a level of invested in Danganronpa holistically to understand what the differences between what the book says and what our memories are because it is things as minute as like our memories tell us that Hoshik accepted applications where knowing you know from the original trilogy no students that's were that's not true yeah they were sought out through scouts and then something like the 78th class wasn't trapped by the ultimate despair they went into Hoshik willingly they trapped themselves inside as like a shelter and then ultimate despair does not refer just to Junko, it refers to a group that is, you know, the larger ultimate spread that we know. Um, but then they, they start talking about, like, the only reason we thought we knew, we, the only reason we know anything about Hoshik is because the flashback, like, told us. And Shuichi found the room that, like, you find out that flashbacks are made, like, in, a, like, a weird modular way where, like, you can just make any, like, you can make anything up and basically like, imprint those memories onto people. And then, so... Yeah, Monokuma and Samugi are basically like, yep, it was all a lie. You have nothing to do with Hoshik Academy. And, you know, everyone else kind of has, like, you know, they, they kind of, like, fall into despair about that. Like, all their memories were fake. Everything that they thought they knew about the world and their situations was all a lie. And, but then Shuichi, like, kind of, like, cuts through all the noise and says, well, then who the hell are you? And then Samugi's like, uh, what? I'm Junko Inoshima. Like, I, this is who I am. And then he's like, that makes sense if, if we're connected to Hoshik Academy, but if we have nothing to do with it, as you say, why would you so be like, impersonating Yeah, why would somebody? she care about us? Yeah. And then so she, she just says again, like, who the hell are you? And then she immediately switches to Hajime. And that's where it starts to get weird, because she, she's like, oh, I'm Hajime Hayata. You know him, right? From the killing game on Jericho Island. And then she, she's like, how can you cosplay as students of Hoshik Academy? Because we already know from the first chapter that you can't cosplay real people. And I, I wish I could have been in like the room with so many people that I've made play this, play this series for that reveal. Where like it brings up the multiple choice thing and one of them is like, oh, it does exist or it's been destroyed. And the third one is it's fictional. Like, because that is like this, I, that is like a, a turning point that I don't know that even the rest of Danganronpa ever has. Like, in, like, and in terms of like, I've, holistic immediate like completely new understanding of everything that's come before mm -hmm. because yeah Hoshik Academy is fictional that entire story took place in a story called Danganronpa which is like I think it's framed as all being a TV series so well this is this. this is one thing that's important and I think it's like something that kind of goes over some people's heads and I think it's a reason that a lot of people have a certain reaction to this game that is not what the game is actually saying. The game makes a hard divide between the Hoshik story and what we see in this game. Because it says that Danganronpa was originally a video game and an anime series. And then it mm -hmm. eventually transcended those things to become this, the ultimate reality. Oh, right. It's kind of like an alternate universe idea of where, like, if Danganronpa, like got like viral popular in yeah. a really like kind of upsetting way <laughs> right and, and i think that's like the the divide that most people miss is that like they think that like this is recontextualized the hope speak story as a reality show that was staged and that these characters were 
you know, the students that mm-hmm. volunteered themselves to come and play this game. Um, and cause like, I, I even remember like my brother was playing after I did, he like texted me like that kind of like fundamentally undermined everything I loved about the series. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. You need to like pay attention to the exact words that are said. Like you also need to pay attention to the fact that Shuichi had this shelf in his lab that the first few were illustrations. Then eventually they started to be real people. And so it's like, comparable to something like the easiest comparison that comes to my mind is like Digimon Tamers where like that season that was a season of the show that existed in a world where Digimon was like a very you know it was like this huge series that like everyone loved and like it resulted in the things that that show did and um that divide is important because I think it is something that can make anyone's attachment to the Hope Speak story intact like, I, I think it's just, like, it, it makes it a vibe where, like, mm-hmm. nothing that V3 says or does has any impact on my relationship to the series of Danganronpa as I care about it. And I think that is... Yeah. I think what? this is... Yeah. This is where we can talk about, like, I... Because I agree with you, right? Like, I think at first, when I played this, I didn't 100% register that divide, but then, like, thinking about it more, I was like, okay, like, they do distinguish, you know, mm-hmm. like when it became a TV series. Right. As opposed to, like, you know, the game or whatever. But that said, like, especially considering what we're gonna find out about what the title means, I don't understand why they had to, like, so aggressively tie back to the first two. Well... Or like the lore of this one, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and like I, th- I think let's let's keep going in all and all the reveals because like I think we can talk holistically about you know how things are framed if we do that because the other important things to note are basically like what Danganronpa the show is in this world is that it is basically how the people of this world purge like they this is a completely peaceful world so like this is all, like the entertainment that they have. Yeah. Um. And so what happens is that fans of Danganronpa that are teenagers like in their high school audition for the show and are basically like through things like flashback lights their minds are wiped they're made into ultimates and then they, the killing game starts so we see like shuichi and kaito and kaede's all of their auditions and um and they're completely different they're like it's, it's, it's interesting to see this because like they're so like diametrically opposed to this the uh personalities that we know of these characters and yeah like we already kind of know that like Right, from the beginning, we saw the change in Kaede, right? right? Like, between, in the two versions of the prologue, right? Like, you see the difference a little bit. But, like, for Shuichi and Kaito, it's very stark, especially because Shuichi's, like, pitch for the character he wants to be is the detective character who's the blacken. Right. So he's, like, actively, whoever this boy was before he's Shuichi Saihara, like, wanted to be doing lots of killing. And so did Kaito. Right. Yeah, uh, and um, no, I'm trying to ruin minutes because I want to make sure that we hit like the holistic story of this. Um, yeah, so like students come in, they audition, they get their minds wiped. Um, the oh yeah, they say you get a lot of them do it for like either for nihilistic reasons or for fame and money, right? The, which the I reason that most people do, like you know. Reality I thought shows. that was interesting. Just well, because the stakes of this reality show, right, are that you die, right? And I was like, "Damn, 
I don't know that fame and money is really a pitch in a show where you have like a very high probability of not living through it. Yeah, and, but, and it, I mean, like the Kaito you know. one specifically, where he was like, "I'm, I just gonna, I'm gonna kill everybody and win." Like, I like he has the interest to not just be in Danganronpa, he wants to win Danganronpa. Um, and so you know, like I, I think that speaks to just like the level of fervor that I think this world is trying to illustrate, and I think that like comes into how like obsessed the outside world seems to be with Danganronpa in this world, because like here's here's also another twist the reason kibo has an inner voice and a, and a thing on his head that communicates it to him he is the one of the things that was like the the twist of this season was audience participation where people basically kibo was twitch plays dang and rapa and <laughs> like his inner voice has been like an audience survey of people like guiding him in one way or another and that's why when it got knocked off in kaito's execution like he just went rabid and that is how we have come to find the truth in all this way. It's because, like, they have... The team Danganronpa, as, like, the, the production company company is called, um, was unable to basically salvage what was going on before it became meta. And, um... Yeah, I think... I, I guess that's the, the gist of, like, the actual... Well, okay. Oh, the other thing with Kibo's inner voice that I think is important is just the fact that they are always very specifically pushing him towards what they consider to be hope. Right. Like, almost the... It, it feels like they are often pushing him into the direction of what they believe Danganronpa to be. Because, like, when it, like Kibo, when he has inner voice coming through to him, he has an aversion to sci-fi. And, like, being too, you know, like, having too many weapons and, like, being the thing. Oh, yeah, thing. and he wants to be... There's a thing, yeah, there's a thing, too, where when Kibo doesn't have his antenna anymore, he says, and they're, like, talking to him about him adding the, like, extra parts. He's like, I should accept, my ultimate talent is that I'm able to, you know, like, be modified, and right. I should accept that, and, like, not be worried that I'm not human. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, is not how he is. Right. Literally the entire rest of the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so, like... Something that does happen here is that Sumugi and Monokuma do, like, they reveal that, like, the killing game is made, and, like, you have all been going through this because people want to see it. Like, like, literally, like, she uses, like, she uses, like, or both of them use, like, the language of, like, business, and, like, talking about, like, mm -hmm. this is supply and demand. Like, the killing game exists because people want it. Like, Sumugi even yeah. says some stuff, like, people like send in mail or something like or like say things like don't just end Danganronpa you owe us do you know how much I've invested into the series and that's even like the language used in like the uh whatever the the, the panic talk battle stuff is called in this game like when the when the fans are speaking like they are using that language they're like uh preachy characters are annoying I'm not here for a lecture just kill each other like this is what Danganronpa is to me like this is not what Danganronpa is to me like I'm a long time fan do you know how much I've invested in the series and it's just like mm -hmm. it's unflattering to people that are playing this game and i understand why because I, I think we can finally like get to how we feel about this i understand why that is hurtful to some people i understand why people would feel angry and slighted having paid money to play this game and it basically like shit like throwing middle fingers up in the air at you um i I was a person who, I, I like when things end, and I like when they end, like, definitively. So, for me, like, when I said earlier, like, at the very end of the show, like, I was fine 
coming into V3 with zero emotional attachment to it because it was not the story that I cared about. Because, like, the whole story, as I said, like, in our... In, in the class trial shows that we've been doing, the Hope Speak story, and like it seems is what has made Danganronpa important to me, is not necessarily been the killing game, where it feels like V3 is very specifically like putting you know, a, a judgmental eye on people that only care about the killing game, that don't care about like the, the themes of these characters. And like, th- this is a weird anecdote, but this was something that I came back to a lot when I was thinking about this game and like when I was like approaching its ending knowing what it was. This was, I don't remember what the actual, like, point of the thread was, but I was on the Danganronpa subreddit once, and people were, like, talking about, like, what is it you, what will be an interesting next game to you or something. And I remembered somebody saying something along the lines of, like, I want, like, a Danganronpa All-Stars that brings, like, the cast of one and two together for, like, another killing game. And that just, like, kept coming back to my brain when, like, the way that the fans in this game talk about the characters is just, like, just kill each other already. We don't care about any of, like, any of your struggles or, you know, your scruples about all of this. We just want to keep watching you do this murder mystery thing that we like so much. And I just think, like, I can understand, like, if you are a person that has, like, really devoted, like, years of your life into something that was supposed to have like these thematic through lines that were not always about the killing game but like say you made Ultra Spirit Girls you made Danganronpa 3 and you had like people that were still like you know claiming to be like huge fans of these games and like the series that were like doing things like downplaying the importance of those like d- downplaying the importance of those themes and those characters and like what it all meant to the grander story that was being told I can kind of see like why somebody would be like well fuck all of you okay here's the killing game that you want this is what the one thing you care about when it comes to the series um and to just be frustrated like that and to want to not have to do specifically that anymore um because that does become like the meta textual story here is that like shuichi and maki and himiko all like being like i like fuck your killing game fuck the misery this specific misery that you want us to go through we're going to end this with our own hands by not participating anymore um, and so, th- this is my long way of saying, like, I think V3 is, I, th- I don't think that, that Kadaga had any mis- or, like, misunderstandings as to what he was putting out into the world. I think, like, it's weird to look at quotes from him after the fact, where I think, I guess he was still, like, in the marketing mode of, like, I want people to buy the thing that I put out, which is, you know, like, maybe makes a lot of the sort of, uh, meta commentary about, like, consumerism a little bit hollow, if that is, if that, like, I, I don't want to speak for him and, like, what his quotes meant and, like, why he spoke about the game in the way that he did after the fact, um, because I do think, like, V3 is unsubtle in, like, it's disdain for not even just, like, the killing game and, like, the fans, but yeah. just, like, being trapped within your own success, because, like I said at the very beginning, V3 is, like, a satire of what the series becomes yeah, if it is not it's having very, It's very much about the idea of what it means to be an object of capital F fandom. Right. And that's, and that's, it's interesting to like, see like there were things like the monocubs, like that is a tie in for merch, like the escalation of like moving from, you know, Hope Academy story into fucking space, like things that don't have like something you can, you know, like living on your own terms in the way that lets you ground your story and like make it meaningful from start to finish. Like, the idea that V3 is just constantly, like, a series that has had to escalate to satisfy a demand. 
I just, I just think it's fucking bold as fuck. I think it's incredible, like, how much of, like, how willing it is to put point its fingers at everyone involved. Because I, I don't think that, like, despite it coming from Spike Chun stuff, I think, like, you know, Team Dang and Rampa as an entity is, like, a satire of themselves, of, like, we can keep going on this train of, like, making these games or making, like, you know, satisfying this demand because it will make us money. It will probably get away from why we started doing it in the first place, like, the, the stories that we wanted to tell with it in the beginning, uh, if we keep going. And I think that's just why, like, to recognize all of that and be like, I want to end this in the most unsubtle way that shows what I don't want this series to become. That is why V3 works for me. And I understand why it might hurt a lot of people's feelings, but I was a person that wanted this... Like, I would have been content with the series ending at 3. So, I almost felt like I'd kind of, like, sidestepped the actual commentary, because I felt like I was almost existing on the outside of it, as a person that didn't want it to continue. Like, was not, like, you know, looking for my next thing and want to fix. And I think that's always, like, that is, like... I fully understand why people might have felt, like, hurt by it, but, like, I think the worst fucking reads of this game are people that are like, oh, that was cool, I hope I can play the other 49 games. Like, what do you think this game is talking about? Like, what do you think, like, they're trying to illustrate here? This is, like, when we actually, I don't think we mentioned it, but, like, V3 is for 53. This is the 53rd time this has happened. Yeah, in addition to, like, the fiction of the games. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... This is 53 seasons of a separate television show. Yeah. So, I just... I, I, I've, I've said a lot, so, like, you can have, have your moment here, but I, I just... I am, frankly, in awe of this game in a way that... Like, I don't have an emotional attachment to it in the same way I did the Host Peak story, but, like, it feels like this is going to be a game I call back to for years from now, like, in terms of discussions mm-hmm. about, like the very nature of the video game industry, I guess, and, like, how it can, like, things can exist simply to, uh, for, like, simply for supply and demand, and how somebody recognized what that would mean for it to keep going, and wanted to say in the most, you know, theatrical way possible that I want this to end for its sake, not just for my sake. Mm-hmm. So, all right, your turn. So, okay, so my whole thing with this, first of all, I will say that on this playthrough, I have a much, well, my reading is much more favorable because my reading was pretty fucking negative last time. <laughs> it's all I relative. I'm pissed off at it. Um, and I still am a little bit pissed off at it. But I think everything that you said is exactly correct. I actually don't disagree with anything that you said. I mean, aside from the parts about, like, being in awe of it, because um, I feel a little <laughs> bit differently. But, like, I, I agree with you 100% about what it's doing. The thing that really set me off about it the first time was that I was not involved in, like, the fandom spaces for this game, right? Like, mm. I played it and talked about it with my one friend who was super into it. Right. And that was it. So then, like, I had this deep attachment to the story and stuff, and I think I found out about V3 before I watched 3. So I was like, oh, cool, we're gonna get to see how it ends. And then my friend was like, oh, no, the anime, you need to watch the anime, and I was like, oh, okay. So then I was still excited, but then, like we talked about, I didn't know what it was gonna be. Mm. Um, But the part that I didn't care for because of that, I think, was, like you said, it is very aggressively 
disdainful towards mm-hmm. the person playing it right. in regards especially to the killing game. And it kind of insinuates, like, that the only reason you're playing is because of the killing game, which I get is the point, right? Like, mm. he, he is specifically targeting, like, that demographic, right? right? But as someone who was not in that demographic and who didn't, like, know that it existed, really, it was really, like... I I guess hurt feelings is correct, but it made me angry, especially because it felt, like, fucked up that he was like, I'm gonna condemn you for consuming this, mm-hmm. when it's like, bro, you made it. Like, mm-hmm. you are also doing this. Like, right. you keep it going, too. Um, which I think feeds more into, like, my kind of frustration about World's End Club, which, to be fair, I haven't played either. Mm-hmm. But it felt very weird to have, like, this deep, like, finger wagging like fuck you i'm done making this kind of thing like i'm done with the people who like this kind of thing and then his next thing was like i'm doing the same thing but with younger children with the zero escape guy and it was like what like Mm. weren't you just like railing about all of this in your fucking game yeah um, the other thing that actually pissed me off about this is, like, the post-credits or whatever, like, the end-end scene. Yeah. But what- yeah, I think now I appreciate it more in terms of, like, this is a very, very cynical game, mm-hmm. is what I will say, in yeah. terms of, like, it, right, because the idea that a show, like, the Danganronpa show, could exist is that very cynical take of, like, you know, I think they even say it, like, people fall into despair to the point where, like, you know, yeah, they're not killing each other, but they're turning killing into a sport voluntarily, mm-hmm. which is its own kind of despair. Right. Um, And, like, again, like, the, the shot we got of Makoto, right, you then find out is, like, oh, that kid's hope is mm-hmm. being obsessed with this murder show. Right. And so it's very deeply cynical in that, in that mm. it believes that that would be, you know, kind of the end game route here of mm. what would happen. Um, and that's, I mean, it's hard. I don't, I just don't care for it mm. is what it is really. Like, I get it. I get what he's doing and I'm less, I'm significantly less angry at it. Mm. But it, is still really deeply cynical in a way that Mm. I, like, get coming from his perspective, but that, like, I'm not interested in as, like, someone from the outside. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's also interesting, because, like, I mean, it's cynical, but also, like, that's diametrically opposed to the original trilogy, like, which is, like, ends on hope. Like, it is every Mm -hmm. time, it is looking, like, it's all about looking for, like, the best of the situation that we're in, and I think... I think that was the other part that really rankled me was like even though it's not connected like the idea of like you know making those callbacks to it and then being like actually this is shitty (laughs) and everything is bad which like it's not saying that those are shitty right but like it just felt too close I was like I don't like just make your fucking point man like I don't know which I felt differently this time I felt less like that this time but 
Right. And I, I think my feeling on like the addition of like the, the host speak stuff near the end that, that does feel like it serves beyond like the actual meta stuff, I think it, it serves the actual like in text stuff of like Smoogie, Monokuma, and Team Danganronpa as an entity trying to salvage a game that is like going off the rails of how they usually plan these things. Um mm-hmm. and I think like it just using the Hope Speak story was like a convenient thing to also like bring in the idea that like these characters are fictional in this world and like I to illustrate the idea like I think in, in a weird yeah. way in a weird way like bringing it close that way helped them make the divide that it needed I think to make I it I think that's honestly to me why it's a little bit weak because it kind of feels like they needed to be able to do the reveal that Danganronpa characters are fictional right, right. yeah we only know of those two sets of characters we don't know any of the characters that were in the like tv show of this world obviously not the anime right so i feel like they kind of had to like i i feel like you're right in that it feels like smoothies just kind of like throwing shit out there in the Mm -hmm. end but i feel like it kind of more feels like they're like oh fuck like we have to be able to have her reveal right through her cosplay shit that like these characters are fake so like because, like, to me, I'm like, okay, like, are you really going to call back to stories that were, like, literally not even in the actual show, mm. like, that has had over 50 seasons? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that felt a little bit thin to me, mm. but um, I do like that trick, though, of the... Ooh, these characters aren't real yeah. because Sumugi can cosplay them. Yeah, and it, it, there is like some complication to all the things that we're saying because the epilogue is what it is, and we can. I hate it. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that because we actually have to talk about like the actual end result of this. I because, hate like, the epilogue. It ends we'll up being there. Yeah, but... yeah. It, the situation ends up being that like even if Sumugi dies in this trial, like the killing game will go on until there are two people left. Um, mm-hmm. and so what ends up being the situation is that, like, Kibo and Maki say that they'll sacrifice themselves, where Kibo will still, and Suichi basically, like, intuits from all of his understanding of things so far that, like, Kibo will still be, in, in, in the next game, in, in season 54, um, Kibo will be the audience surrogate again, and then Maki will be the ultimate survivor, and then he and Himiko, I guess, are free to go, um, and so that's when everyone's like, this, us, like, playing within the rules of this, trying to escape, it's not going to stop Danganronpa. So all that we can do now is just refuse to play. Um, and then at, at some point, like, at this point, Kibo gets, like, basically completely overtaken by the outside world, because, like, they basically, like, unplug his personality. Um, so Shuichi has, like, this, this final argument with the audience, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's when you get like some of like the most like I, I think that 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 final argument is probably the most telling of what seems to be Kodaka's vision of like the the fans he is talking about most specifically because like they 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 say some just fucking ridiculous shit like um just, like just kill each other like preachy characters are annoying and all that shit um I'm not here to be told like I'm not, I'm not here for a damn lecture shit like that um mm-hmm. so then you get through that and then. Um, we get that final vote where like, it's cause, like the vote is supposed to be between Kibo or Samugi and um, like Kibo representing Hope. Which actually I forgot to mention this. Kibo 
uh that that's the japanese word for hope like that's a a, a fun thing that they did um oh. yeah um so like the, the intention was to vote for either kibo to be punished or smoogie to be punished and after everyone refuses to vote smoogie also refuses to vote because like she basically um, says that she's going to go by what the outside world wants, and if she, that means that she has to die here with all her friends, so they can, like, the audience can say loudly that they want Danganronpa to continue. That's a world worth dying for to her. Um, but then nobody votes. And then the audience starts to tune out. And it's, uh, yeah, like, Danganronpa is ostensibly over. And then they do have, like, a moment where they're like, wait, does... Does nobody have to die now? Because like the the punishment for not voting is dying, um, and so like by them refusing to play the game, which they actually they actually do like a pretty cool thing where like they throw mechanics at you like the uh, the hangman's gambit or the psyche taxi, and like the way to progress like to progress the game is to not play them, and like that's just mm-hmm. that was like like a cool bit of gameplay storytelling, and um, yeah, so Monokuma's was like, nah, staying in Rumpel, we have to end with an execution. Um, so, Smoogie's like, I didn't prepare for this situation, so Kibo, you wanna, like, give me a hand here? And so Kibo starts to fuck up the academy again, and Smoogie gets crushed under a rock, and with Monokuma, um, and then there's a point where, uh, Kibo, like, sees that Shuichi and friends are safe, like, it's like, this is, like, basically, like, his last thing that he can do of his own volition is to... Make sure they're safe while he blows up a hole into the the set, the dome that we've been stuck in. And then credits roll. And then we get an epilogue. That kind of sucks. It's I don't Okay. The weird thing is, like, there are theories out here that Smoogie was bullshitting the entire time. And everything that she said was not true. And that Hope Peak Academy might be a real thing. Um, there are, like, nuggets of evidence that might support that. But, like, broadly, the game does not support that. Because, like, there, there are people that, that say um, the audition footage that of, like, Kaede Shuichi and Kaito looks like a platform that she has in her lab. And so she might be cosplaying them. And, like, that is, like, one of the outs that they give. But, um... Mm. Even, like, so, like, Shuichi's just kind of, like, wondering aloud, like, was she... Shuichi starts to kind of, like, wonder aloud if Sumugi might have been lying, and that, you know, like, basically it kind of sets the conundrum of the first game, like, what is on the outside of what we're, where we're going as Danganronpa characters into a world that is not for us, per se. And just, like, you know, it's like, maybe, you know, there's there's something out there for us, and that just kind of is where it leads off. And it just, it feels, like, weird. I don't, like, I think, like, I get that if they wanted to not kill Shuichi, Maki, and Himiko, as, like, the one, like, almost, like, for a game that is as mean as this game is, like, if they wanted to have, like, just this, like, little bit of hope at the end, like, to be a, like, you know, beat a Danganronpa game, like, have a little bit of hope at the end, I think that's fine. I don't know why they entertained the idea that Sumugi might be lying and that Danganronpa, the show, could have manifested in a world post-Danganronpa 3. Like, in a world where Makoto Naegi made that school again and, like, you know, did everything that he did to bring the world back from despair. I don't know what beyond the idea that, like, 
so Shuichi can have this, like, monologue about, like, the nature of the truth and lying and all that fun shit. Like, I don't really know what they thought to accomplish here, because I don't think it, like, it leaves the game on a seemingly ambiguous note, but the evidence there that, yeah, this is probably, everything that we heard was probably true. Yeah, like, when I first played it, I was furious, right, because I was angry at the initial ending, Mm. and then this felt like it was walking everything it had just done back. Right. Right. Because, like, a lot of people, and a lot of people who were, like, telling me to calm down when I was pissed off were like, well, he's just wondering about it. They don't confirm it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but it's fucking Danganronpa. So, like, you know that when Shuichi does that, I wonder if Sumihi was lying. And then the whole nature of the truth thing, while they look wistfully at the fucking dome, like, come on. And, like, like they, they pull out of the dome and, like, it has the Team Danganronpa logo around it. Like, mm-hmm. clearly, like, that was the set that we had been told that it is. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't really know what that was specifically. Like, beyond, like, yeah, again, like, trying to, like, have, like, a hopeful ending for those characters. That there might be a future for them in some way. Um, I just, like, I feel like I liked the ending where, like, it just, like, cuts and you don't know what happens to yeah. them. Like, that is a lot more hopeful to me than them being, like, maybe she was lying. And it's, because, like, past a certain point, like, does the reality of, like, living in that world suck? Like, yeah. But also, like, in theory, you're living in a world where that has ended, right? So, like, people are going to be doing, hopefully, something else. Mm. As opposed to, like, living in a world that was actually destroyed by you know, despair meteors or whatever. <laughs> like, of the two, I feel like there is a preferable one. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I really don't like that epilogue. I have a lot more appreciation for the main product, mm-hmm. but, and I thought it was ballsy to be like, yeah, they might have died, who knows. Right. And then it yeah. felt like they just really walked it back and kind of pussied out about it to use yeah. vulgar language to match this fucking I mean, game. Fair enough. Like, yeah, and I... I and my feeling on it largely has been, like, I I don't know that Danganronpa is going to be able to live up to what V3 is, like, positing. Like, I want to die on my own terms, regardless of what capitalism believes that I should. Because, like, we are, as of this recording, we're not quite to Danganronpa decadence, but, like, there is stuff coming out about that, uh, that, that expansion of V3's uh, board game social sim thing there's stuff coming out that implies that might have gotcha microtransactions in it and like that immediately like sends red flags up to me like this is what v3 warned us about like now that Mm -hmm. now that kataka is gone and they are like spike chunsoft is free to do whatever they want with the ip are they able to make this new thing that is going to have like vile fucking monetary practices in it um Mm -hmm. so like i'm wary of that and but i also like if that is the case, I am ultimately going to be able to probably sit well enough with my relationship to the series just because, like, Kodaka said what he wanted to do, like, the original creator. It's like, it's like the Metal Gear Survive thing, mm-hmm. like, where people, like, are like, fuck that weird thing that they did once Kojima was gone. I still have my attachment to Metal Gear Solid 1 through 5. Um, and I think that's just kind of where I'm sitting on it right now. Like, we are about two or three months away now from when that comes out, and I don't... We don't know at this point if Fight Chunsoft is going to do something more beyond that. Um, so I guess we'll just wait and see. Um, if nothing else, like, I V3 as, like, a moment in whatever this franchise might end up being is very impressive to me in a lot of ways. And I respect it 
in that moment, even if, like, Danganronpa does morph into some unrecognizable fucking project of capitalism, <laughs> however many years from now. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, what is it called, S? Danganronpa yeah. S? Danganronpa S uh, Ultimate Summer Camp. Or something like that. That name is already not ideal. It's unwieldy. Yeah, we'll have to see. I have a question also. Mm -hmm. um, that's not entirely related to this. I know that Ultra Despair Girls is not going to be in Decadence. Mm -hmm. Is V3 in Decadence? Yep. And that makes it really fucking weird that they're putting a weird side game with microtransactions right next to it in a, in a fucking box on a Nintendo Switch card. It's also weird to me that they were like, oh, we can't put Ultra Despair Girls on here, but V3 gets a pass. Yeah. I don't know. Someone, it's, says, it's the, weird. someone says the phrase cum dumpster they, multiple they, times. There, there are weird incest ghosts in it, too. Yeah, and, also incest bears. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. Like, you look at the cover art of that. It's got the Ultra Despair Girls characters on it. Like, I was like, what are you, mm -hmm. why are you doing this? Like, why? I don't know. It's very strange. Yep. Anyway. Well, Ken. Yeah. We did it. We did it. How do you, I, how do you feel? Like, generally, how do you feel about the series after going through all of this? I feel a little bit better about it, mm. actually, I think. Which is nice, because after we did Bioshock, I felt significantly worse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, especially about this game, I have a lot less of a, like, bad taste in my mouth for mm -hmm. this one now. I still, again, like, it's another thing of, like, I get what it's doing, but I don't particularly care for it. Right. But I do think that... I think a lot of, too, of my friction with it comes from, you know, kind of the stuff that has happened with Kodoka after. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you know, whatever the fuck is going to happen with us. Right. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I finally have very concrete ways to describe why I like two so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And I came away from this one feeling okay about it. So. Yeah. I'd say that's a win. Yeah, a net positive. Yeah, I think I. How about you? I, I think I feel similar because like, I. It, it's interesting because like I Danganronpa was a series that like I was covering, a lot like when in the first like early years of my working in writing and talking about games for a living and, I think. I, I recognize it both as something that was like deeply like personally influential and like my own like life in terms of like me understanding my own like depression and like how to move forward through it and i think that's something that's always gonna be special to me about it regardless of whatever the fuck twice Shunsoft does with the series moving forward um and it, but i think like it was something it was it was nice to go through it holistically again and just remind myself that like video game series can live on their own terms like live and die on their own terms like capitalism does not necessarily have to dictate what series do to continue on um, because I do think, like, despite the fact that, like, people downplay the importance of, like, Ultra Spirit Girls and 3, um, it, that was, you know, an example of a series doing what it needed to do to move forward, not necessarily doing what capitalism demanded of it, like, what fandom might have demanded of it. Like, mm -hmm. it was just, like, 
had an understanding of itself that let it like made it comfortable enough to move into other formats and mediums to do what it did. And I think like, you know, there I certainly like vo- voiced my various scruples with it, but I do think by and large, like even stuff that I have the complicated relationship with, I th- I think I just found an appreciation for them uh once again, just to like be like, hey, this this holds up. And I think it has a lot to say about a lot of things, both both in terms of like a granular meta thing, but also in the way that we cope with various like hard circumstances and how we move forward through them. And yeah, I I like Danganronpa a whole fucking lot. I need to get it. I need to get an addition to my Danganronpa tattoo. I've been wanting to get Monokuma on it for a while, and this might push me into finally doing that. <laughs> I yeah, I like it a lot too. I think I. The more space I have from Ultra Dress Bear Girls, the more I actually like it. Mm-hmm. Um, still, you know, a wild piece of media. Right. Just across the board. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the more space I have from it, the more I'm like, you know what? That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and interesting for this series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. I... Two is still my absolute fucking favorite, yep, and I just have such a deep appreciation for that story. Yep. And also, I, again, I feel like uh, they, the, three and V three for me, both the endings overstay their welcome a little bit, mm. and I kind of wish that they would have just been okay with ending things, right? Um, abstractly, especially V three, considering all of its fucking right. guff, right? Um. But yeah, I don't know. They're they're weird special video games. Yeah, that that's the best way to sum it up. <sighs> well, where can the people find you, Kenji? You find me on Twitter at ShepherdCDR. Uh, you can find my other podcast that I do, uh, Normandy FM, a retrospective podcast. That once was about Bioware games, and now it's about whatever I feel like. Uh, where we are currently, <laughs> as we're recording, doing our Final Fantasy X season. You can find that uh, at Normandy FM Show on Twitter and on all your various podcast services. And um, you can also find me writing and sometimes on podcasts over at fanbyte.com, where we produce some good written and audio and video content, in my unbiased opinion. Content. All the content. <laughs> Um, you can find me on Twitter at Keeper. Um, and Class Trial is a product of Uppercut, which you can find on pretty much all social media at Uppercut Crit. Uh, this podcast was made possible by us hitting a goal on Patreon. So if you would like to see us continue to do cool shit and pay people to do cool shit, uh, you should go to patreon.com slash Uppercut Crit and throw some money at us. We would very much appreciate it. Um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, Court adjourned. We're adjourned. <laughs>